live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho. Duro, Parlay, Hour. What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of movies, TV, comics, and more. You are tuned into the Entertainment Edition of the ODPH, and we definitely want to interact with you. So make sure to swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on social media accounts. They're all right there on the front page, along with the T Public Store, along with the Patreon link. Shout out to all of our amazing patrons. You heard one on the sports edition this week, and that is Joey from the So Wizard Podcast. Fantastic episode. A lot of rave reviews coming in about that, so you definitely want to go check that out. And if you want to find out more about them, you can obviously go into the classified section, go into the Patreon links. We have it all, and we definitely recommend swinging on over to odphpodcast.com for anything and everything that is the ODPH. And on social media, remember to use the hashtag ODPHpod. But kicking off the entertainment edition of the ODPH, we have to recap the event that was D23. Mm -hmm. Now, Pad, if anybody is not familiar with this event, give us a quick breakdown. D23 is the Disney exclusive. And when I say Disney exclusive, it's all the properties Disney owns. So, you know, Marvel, uh, Lucasfilm, uh, 20th Century, you know, Pixar, Disney Studios, you know, the television stuff uh, where it's all Disney focused, you know, so it's what they got coming. Some of the stuff in the immediate future, some surprise reveals. It doesn't happen every year. I think it's like a semi-annual type of thing, although the frequency of which I'm not entirely sure of. I know it's every couple of years. Uh, so when it comes around, everyone is very uh, excited about it because it's all things Disney and it's also all their properties. Yeah, it's kind of a big deal, to say the least. I mean, it's not as big as San Diego Comic-Con, but it still carries a lot of weight. And that's the big thing with this. Uh, looked it up. D23 is once every two years. Yes. So when everybody was really amped up about San Diego Comic-Con, which gave a lot of Marvel releases, gave a yeah. lot of you know Star Wars info, yeah. it really set the tempo for pop culture and nerdum, if I can use that word, sure. moving forward. And obviously, as we're going into con season now... It's really ramped up the fan base. It's really ramped up in pop culture. What's coming next from Marvel? What's coming next from Star Wars? So when D23 happens, it is a must-watch event. Now, there was a lot of news that came out. Yeah, there was. So we are going to break down what we think is the big takeaways from this event. So, Pad, kick us off. Going to start off with some video game stuff before we get into some of the major news because there was a video games panel that took place on the first day. Uh, and two of the ones that jumped out to us, first of all, was we got a release date for at least part of the Midnight Suns upcoming video game. And I say part because some versions are coming at a later date. Uh, so what we found out is that the, ver and I'm reading off an article from Marvel.com. Uh, it says, quote, as part of D23 Expo 2022, 2K and Marvel Entertainment released a new gameplay trailer and shared that Marvel's Midnight Suns will launch on December 2nd for Windows PC, Xbox Series X slash S, in PlayStation 5, uh, with launch timing for Xbox One, PlayStation 4, and Nintendo Switch coming at a later date. And they did give off a trailer for it. Uh, I believe it was, the, at least from my 
recollection, the first gameplay trailer we've actually seen from it. Yes. And I got to say, I initially going into this, I was excited. Then I saw the gameplay trailer and I got a lot less excited because it, it appears to be like a real-time strategy, you know, game in, in the vein of like a StarCraft or something like that, you know, where it's not necessarily a button masher like with the Marvel Avengers game that Square Enix put out or like, you know, this uh, Spider-Man game that Insomniac Games put out where like you're action-oriented, action you're going around, you're fighting guys, you're doing this. It looks like it's very detailed that like you're not exactly going to be, you know, running around as Wolverine slicing people up left, right, and center. It looks like you're going to have to be methodical, plan your stuff out because it, it looked like on the trailer uh, at the bottom of the HUD, the heads-up display, there was cards, and you had to use cards to play. I'm not about that real-time strategy life, so I'm, this might end up being a pass for me. I am leaning towards yes with this because I am not a super big fan of the real-time strategy, but I'm a big Marvel fan. So if anything would make me want to give it a shot, sure. it's this. And obviously with the Midnight Suns, it's going to be interesting to see how this comes about because mm-hmm. if you know the comics, Midnight Suns, has a lot of different meanings. Obviously, in the 90s, it was the flagship banner for the Ghost Rider-centric comics, the horror comics that they were doing, the Supernatural, like Night Stalkers, Morbius. Yes, folks, Morbius had his own singles run in the 90s Mm -hmm. before the epic movie, and I will just use epic, depending if you loved it or hate it. So, obviously, they had some source material work with there, and obviously, Ghost Rider was one of the hottest books, no pun intended, on the market in the 90s. So it's gone through a a transitional phase since then. Obviously, there's a new book that is coming out now with Marvel that's kind of a mashup of that lore with current lore, and it's going to be something interesting to watch. But when we saw this trailer, obviously there's a lot of hype behind it because when when Marvel does a game, it's an event. Mm -hmm. Now, are all of them home runs? No. No, No, we have to be honest about this. But this really looked good. Now, being a real-time strategy game, I'm definitely intrigued because sure. I can't really remember too much and obviously correct me on Twitter if I'm wrong at ODPH podcast them doing a, a venture like this before. I think there have been instances of that in the mobile sphere just because it's, okay. it's easier to do that on mobile than say, uh, you know, a Marvel Avengers game or the Spider-Man game on mobile. So I think in terms of mobile, yes, I think in terms of console or, or PC. So like a wider release, I don't think so. Okay, that would make more sense because I only do consoles. The mobiles eat up too much data on my phone. Oh, I understand. And just the lag time. And, and, they're, and they're grinds. Yeah, and I got a lot going on, so not trying to brag, but a podcast really takes up a lot of time on your phone. But this does look interesting. I will say this. I'm more open to giving it a shot after seeing the trailer. I probably, just because I'm so not a fan of real-time strategy, like I just don't have the patience. I'm not that much of like a uh, strategy kind of person. You know, I'm no I'm no Napoleon Bonaparte. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm no master strategist. You know, that said, though, if PlayStation comes along, you know, in like a year, two years, whatever it ends up being, and decides to put this on, you know, the PlayStation version of Game Pass or put it as like a free game of the month, you know, for one of the for one of their months. I'll I'll give it a shot for free, but I just because I'm I'm just never delved into the real-time strategy genre, I can't see myself shoveling out $60, $65, whatever it is after taxes. Mm-hmm. You know, for something that just I've never really dipped my toes into. Like I said, if this was like in the vein of like a Marvel's Avengers or the Spider-Man games, Oh, I'm putting my money down right now. Oh, I mean, you know, because I've always, I've always been about that genre. Just, but just with this, I, I'm, I'm hesitant. Like I said, so if I get it for free at a later date, I'll give it a shot. No, and that's completely fair because 
we give honest takes here. So some things we really like, some things we really don't. So this one, as we get closer, we'll definitely be talking a little bit more about. Uh, there was some other Mar- uh, Midnight Suns stuff announced because uh, reading from the Marvel.com article again, it says, quote, in addition, Marvel's Midnight Suns prequel shorts were announced. A set of five short videos that provide backstory on how Lilith became the mother of demons and how superheroes like Blade, Magic, Ghost Rider, and Nico uh, Minoru came together to form the young core of the Midnight Suns. Uh, they gave a teaser trailer for the upcoming series, uh, and you will be able to watch the f- uh, first one will premiere on October 31st, 2022, via the Marvel Entertainment YouTube channel, with subsequent videos scheduled to be released weekly. Uh, so, and the, those are going to be uh, coming out, uh, like, like we said, before the game drops on December 2nd. Uh, and we should note, if you are into real-time strategy games and you're very excited for this, you pre-order now, uh, you will get a Doctor Strange Defenders skin Ooh. as a pre-order bonus. All right, so that might be worth a while. I mean, granted, if I'm really sold on getting that game, like that yeah. might be something to do. Uh, another video game that was announced, and this one I think had been rumored for a while, but like nothing was ever firm. Uh, reading from an article on IGN.com, uh, quote, the new Marvel game from Amy Henning's Skydance Media or Skydance New Media division is taking a different approach to the Marvel Universe, teasing a game set in World War II era Paris starring Captain America and Black Panther. Ooh. And this game should be amazing because to some of you video game folks, the name Amy Henning should ring a bell. Uh, it should get you very excited. But for those of you who aren't familiar with Amy Henning, Amy Henning has been in the gaming industry since at least the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, and But she's really come to fame uh, working on the, the entire uh, Uncharted series on PlayStation. She was the creative director and writer for Drake's Uncharted, Drake's Fortune, Uncharted 2, Among Thieves, Uncharted 3, Drake's Deception. Uh, she was a story consultant for the PlayStation Vita uh, Uncharted Golden Abyss. Uh, and then she also did some, she was a writer for Battlefield Hardline and then a writer for uh, for Spoken from Square Enix. So she does a lot of good stuff, I would say, you know, especially in recent years, the Uncharted games. Top notch. Yes. Uh, the article goes on to say, quote, in a moody cinematic trailer set to Vera Lynn's We'll Meet Again, it's not until the end we see Captain America's iconic shield and a brief glimpse of Cap and uh, Black Panther facing off. The words King, Captain, Soldier, Spy. Then flash across the screen before the trailer ends with a shadowy look of our heroes. Uh, the teaser implies the game will take place across two locations, likely Paris and Wakanda, and Star Four Heroes. While two of them will be Captain America and Black Panther, we also get a uh, we also get a look at Howling Commandos member Gabriel Jones and Nanalai, the leader of the Wakandan spy network. Other than a few Easter eggs, Hydra Notebook question mark. Skydance Media looks to be keeping plot details under wraps. Uh, I am very excited for this because, like I said, there's been a Captain America game rumored for a little while now. Yeah, for a long time now. And the fact that we're actually getting it, it's from Amy Henning and... The work, like I said, the work she's done on the Uncharted franchise is awesome. If you own a PlayStation Five, seriously, go buy the uh, Drake's collection, which is one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic games. It's literally like a, a video, a movie come to movie in a video game. You know, so the fact she's working on this, it's going to be uh, Black Panther and Captain America. Which obviously, if it's World War Two, this isn't uh, T'Challa. This is going to be his grandfather mm-hmm. in Paris, World War Two. Fucking give it to me. Yeah, I, I think this is a great concept to do. Uh, obviously, going into the World War II era with Captain America and Black Panther and really having a fun time with the story, this is kind of an open playbook. Like, yeah. We really don't have a lot of source material to really work off, if, if any at all. So 
The no. fact that the fact they want to go and do this route, I think this is great, and I think that you can definitely go into a lot of different directions. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they would do anything with like the invaders because mm-hmm. obviously we're talking Bucky, yeah, the robotic human torch, yeah, Namor. So I mean, there is some possibilities they could do. Not saying this is going to happen, but if I'm fanboy casting. I wouldn't mind seeing this. There's only one bit of source material I would say they have to recreate, much in the same way when it came out that, oh, hey, all three Spider-Man are in uh, No Way Home. We all know like, at some point they're going to do the meme. There's one thing they have to recreate with this game, and it's a certain iconic comic cover with Captain America in World War II punching a certain uh, someone in World War II. I would be so down for that. They need to recreate that in the video game because, let's face it, who isn't going to want to do that? Oh, my God, yes. And if you know the cover I'm talking about, well, you know. Give it to me. That needs to happen. That needs to happen. Otherwise, I'm not going to pick up the game. <laughs> I'm going to put that out there right now. Him punching Hitler? Yeah. Fuck yeah. That'd be awesome. Uh, and now switching over to kind of the meat and potatoes, I guess you could say, of the D23. Uh, I'm reading from an article on Deadline.com, which is thank you, Deadline.com, for a very easy. I don't have to have 900 tabs open to find out everything and recap everything. They've got it listed here. I'm going to be going in category order, I guess you could say. So I'm going to be going from uh, film into some of the animated stuff into television so if i jump around and well well they announce some of this stuff at the same time why aren't you listen i'm just going by the article for simplicity's sake uh starting with live action film uh and specifically marvel uh ant-man and the wasp quantumania uh quote it says quote the crowd saw new footage uh from the threequel starring paul rudd Catherine newton evangeline Lilly, and jonathan majors uh, it opens february 17th in theaters uh, this is one of my gripes I'm going to get out of the way right now with Marvel. If Early on, if you had to tell me who won D23, not Marvel. Uh, they were keeping a lot of stuff to the crowd that was in attendance and not putting it online, which I understand. But, like, for some of it, it's it's not in the immediate future. So, like, you can give us something. I think, well, we'll break it down via project they announced. I think with Ant-Man, and especially we know Kang is officially debuting there. Mm-hmm. I think they're trying to hide everything they can right now to make a very big social impact on pop culture when they do it. I think they're waiting for... I just don't know what event, though, at this stage. Would they do it at New York Comic Con? Sure. We don't know. We know Marvel is back there. And anything involving the MCU at NYCC, Mm -hmm. we really haven't seen a lot, in, if ever. To be honest, I mean, more right. it's more featured for the TV shows and the animation projects. So maybe they're going there with it. But I do agree with you. I thought that we were hearing a lot of rumblings about what was coming out. And I think that San Diego Comic-Con and what they did at Hall H got everybody too hyped up. And I think yeah. that the expectations were never going to be met unless they unloaded the entire arsenal. And I think they're just really being very careful with what they're doing here because with new projects coming out on Disney Plus, and obviously the next movie coming out is Wakanda Forever. Yep. They're not trying to have anything steal the spotlight right now. So they're being very coy about it. But I do agree with you. I would have liked to have seen something get released. Yep. Uh, and speaking of Wakanda Forever, uh, they did uh, show off new footage from the upcoming uh, sequel starring Angela Bassett as uh, Ramonda. Uh, opens November 11th in theaters this public uh, footage was not made available to the public which i mean i understand it, it's kind of close up but at the same time i figured you want to put it out for a little bit of promotion but yeah is what it is well i think they're also waiting to again like yeah. I, I i think that they've now seen 
they don't have to release a lot. Yeah. And the fans will still show up because you remember Spider-Man No Way Home. Oh, yeah. How, how long was that? And God, then that was a while. And then you look at Doctor Strange too, and then yeah, Thor, Thor as well, and yeah. and, that, and maybe the reaction to Thor: Love and Thunder maybe has made them be a little more cautious. Yeah, maybe, and, but I think they also know that they have a, a hit on their hands, and they're just like, we don't need to really do anything. We know the fan base is going to show out for this. We're just going to take our time. But if you're at D23, we're going to give you some morsels to go sure. talk about. Uh, well, and I think it could be just partially they're trying to avoid burnout of like too much at once where, where you think you know you've got right now the, the she-hulk series going on but then you also had thor love and thunder hitting disney plus for the first time you know coupled with all the other shows that were going on you know while the movies are coming out so i think it's like superhero burnout it hasn't happened for the public at large with like all oh, the numbers are going down and people aren't seeing it as much but i think just from a perspective of we don't want to overwhelm people you know, because the, the diehards will be there and, and we ain't got to worry about them. But for the folks that like tune in casually, we don't want to have to have them tune out and go, OK, I'm out. There's too much at once. I can't keep up this that, and the other. Like, just give it to them in doses. Yeah. Uh, sticking with some of the other movies, uh, Captain America, New World Order. We got a cool look at the uh, uh, what is it like a poster title card, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. Uh, and we also found out that Shira Haas and Tim Blake Nelson have joined the cast of the sequel starring Anthony Mackie. It arrives in theaters on May 3rd, 2024. And why do I bring up Tim Blake Nelson, Ken? Uh, That's because he is reprising his role as Samuel Stearns, a.k.a. the leader, which he played in The Incredible Hulk. This is brilliant. I'm all in on... Not that I wasn't already all in on this movie, because I think Anthony Mackie, being Captain America, you already had my ticket money. I think this is absolutely fantastic that you're going to have the leader get reintroduced mm-hmm. and where we're going to go with this really is anybody's guess. I'm really starting to think universal might've just given up on the rights to the incredible Hulk. Well, I think because, that- because you think about it, you know, yes, you know, the incredible Hulk is a part of the MCU timeline and he's been in the MCU since, you know, it's inception, mm-hmm. but up until the, up until Shang-Chi we in, in the, in the scene with the abomination, there was never a mention of either of those two movies, you know, in the MCU. Like, like they acknowledge, yeah, they're in the timeline, yeah, whatever. But, like, you never heard a mention of the character other than the one general who was in a bonus scene who, who appeared later. Um, but, like, in terms of, like, characters or villains or whatever else, they've never made boo about it. And now in the last, what, year, year and a half? We've now had the Abomination come back and the leader come back. I'm really starting to think Universal just said, hey, you know what? Have the rights back. And you know what? It makes sense. And they knew that Marvel made them a ton of money. And they know that, obviously, they're not going to be able to duplicate that success. Like, And there's no shame in that. No. Marvel just has a formula that works for their characters. There's nothing wrong with this. Mm-hmm. So if Universal says, okay, we still got the rights, you still pay us, it's a win-win. Right. I mean, they have another enough franchises that they can still well, make money with. Well, I think even with. technically by what we understood the old rights rule to be that, like, you had to make a new movie every no- so many years or else the or new project or else the rights went back. That was part of the whole reason that they wanted to crank out a new Spider-Man movie so quickly. And, and Sam Raimi wanted to take time on it. But with the amount of time he wanted to take, the rights would have reverted back. Yeah. It's been, you know, 10 years or more since we've had the last Hulk movie. 
in theory, they should have reverted back to Marvel because, yes, they were using the Hulk, but that wasn't for a universal project. Mm. That, that was all for Marvel projects. So I don't know how the hell this is working. Plus, you got the whole Namor thing that, like, for years, it was never sure who had the rights to Namor because is it the... Is it Universal? Is it Marvel? Nobody ever knew. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, he's in a Marvel project. So I'm, I'm, I'm sticking to my guns. Universal just gave up the rights. It's like, here, have them. But you know what? They're still making money. Like, that's that's the thing. It's not a loss for them. And I think yeah. that they realize that, obviously, the films they've done have not been a success. They're not going to sit there and just keep throwing money at it, hoping it sticks. Yeah. So, you know what? More power to them. And, like, I love the casting they've done for this movie. Yeah. And I think it's going to be a really creative story. I'm all in. So give it to me. Uh, we've, in terms of Fantastic Four, Kevin Feige did confirm that Matt uh, Shackman, uh, who directed uh, s- several of the episodes for WandaVision, is going to be the director of the upcoming Fantastic Four film, uh, which is scheduled to hit theaters in November of 2024. Did not have any casting announcements, which, hey, if they're just announcing a director, of course they're not going to have any casting done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not going to do anything. But obviously, we kind of suspected this was going to be the case, so this just confirmed it. So. Yeah. Nothing completely out of the realm of ordinary here. And I think that, if anything, maybe it was a disappointment because we've all been waiting to see who the Fantastic Four is going to be. That there's so much fan buzz about this. Like, we have to remember this. This project, when it was first announced at San Diego, everybody stood up Mm -hmm. and everybody's waiting because obviously the first family of Marvel, the expectations in the history involving this franchise is astronomical. And it's oh, not yeah. it's not about anything lightly of how much the Fantastic Four means to the MCU and the comic universe is immeasurable. So now bringing it back to the silver screen, you really need to hit the home run. Like you can't have that error because obviously the last movie was an epic failure oh. to put it mildly. Yeah. The first run mixed for, for its time. It was good. Nowadays. Yeah. No. It doesn't hold up, but the, yeah. I mean, for its time, for yeah, its like, time, like, for its time, yes. That's why I say it's a mixed reaction. So, I'm sure that they want to wait for a big moment to do it. Maybe New York Comic Con, maybe not. But I think they're going to take their time to really announce everything and get going on it because they know the gravity of the situation going on here. Well, and plus, you got to figure if it's coming out, if it hits its release date of November of 2024. It's September of 2022. We're still a little over two years away from that. Mm. Their ballpark not going to start filming until maybe the middle of next year. Yeah. Or like the early third middle part of next year. So I would not expect to hear anything until maybe San Diego next year. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's just a guess. I don't know anything. I haven't been told anything. You know, but if just thinking about it logically... You know, if it comes out in November of twenty four, you're not gonna you're not gonna start filming until some point next year. So you're not gonna wait. You're you're not gonna announce it until right until you're ready to go film, and then it's gonna be impossible to keep that under wraps any further. Right. So we'll have to wait and see. But at least the director is picked. We all had the idea. So casting will get announced sooner than later. Yep. Uh, and then lastly, and certainly not least, we got a bunch of casting announcements for the upcoming Thunderbolt film uh, directed by Jack or Jake uh, Schreier. Uh, this is going to close out Phase 5 of the MCU. Uh, it is scheduled to release on July 26th, 2024. 
Uh, and the folks that were announced for this film are, uh, and again, I'm reading from an article on Deadline.com, uh, you have Florence Pugh and David Harbour, along with Olga Kirilenko, uh, who are going to be reprising their respective roles as you saw them in Black Widow. Uh, so that is uh, Yelena Belova, uh, uh, Red Guardian, and then uh, Black Antonio, uh, a.k.a. Taskmaster, mm-hmm. uh, along with Julia Louis-Dreyfus as Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. Uh, you will have Sebastian Stan in it uh, as the as Bucky Barnes, uh, along with uh, uh, what is it, William Russell, uh, U.S. agent. Uh, J- Russell is returning as uh, John Walker, U.S. agent, and then you have uh, John Kamen, who is going to portray uh, Ava Ghost. Okay, so let me be honest, and obviously, if you're a longtime listener to the ODPH, you know I do not like the character U.S. agent. So I'm taking that out. I'm putting the disclaimer out. Take him out of this argument. Sure. There is nothing great about this lineup. Uh-huh. In my opinion, you have literally just call it Black Widow 2. Like, this is Kinda, not yeah. like more or less why you're stacking this team that are all pretty much around the same power level or uh-huh. lack thereof. Like, yeah. they're, all, they're all super soldiers for the most part. Right. The only one that has any powers is Ghost. Right. What is the selling point about this unless you're going to try making them? a suicide squad type team mm-hmm. it it doesn't really add up like for me i'm sitting here going okay thunderbolts is a very interesting property at marvel sure if you've ever read the comic the original run with kurt busick and mark bagley fantastic i i recommend it and i will always stand on my soapbox is the last comic uh reveal not to be ruined by the internet okay so when that issue hit and you read that last page you were like oh my god and talking to people at the comic shops, talking to people everywhere about it. Sure. It's gone through different incarnations throughout time. There's been a Red Squad that was all like Deadpool, Red Hulk, mm-hmm. Punisher, Elektra. Uh, Luke Cage had a run with the team. Bucky Barnes has had a run as the leader of the team. Mm-hmm. So that being said, like this team really doesn't have a lot of standout characters. Sure. Bucky Barnes and the U.S. agent are basically the same character Pretty to, much. A, to a degree. They're just yeah. different sides of the coin. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing with black widow, which that's Elena. Yep. So that's why I'm calling her. Yep. And red guardian, which is again, another a, a shittier version of captain America, right? Which you already have two of exactly. So why not go into the playbook at least and go, we have the abomination who we just brought back for she Hulk, right? You could add him to the team. You can take a look at some of the characters that we haven't seen introduced that have been part of Thunderbolts. Right. Songbird comes right to mind. If you know that comic, sure. you know, she's one. Moonstone is another. So there are some characters that you can add a very cool dynamic to with this team. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at this going, okay, this is going to be their version of Suicide Squad, which, and I'm not saying they're going to go on like deadly missions and sure. if they get killed, they get killed and it doesn't sure. matter. I'm just looking at going, these are supposed to be your quote-unquote anti-heroes getting redeemed. Sure. And do we really have this buzz for it? I mean, I understand as Marvel fans, anytime they release a property like Thunderbolts and you know the name, you get really excited. I saw this lineup and I just went, they're all the same pretty much. Like, there's, they're all same power levels. They're all you know, similar backgrounds, except ghost, like ghost yeah. is the only one that stands out. And maybe taskmaster taskmaster uh, to a degree, yeah. to a degree, but I go, everything else is, I mean, this is like agents of shield almost like season one. See, for me, I agree with you that this, this 
lineup is a little confusing, but the more I thought about it, the more, and maybe I talked myself into it, but the more it started to make sense because on the surface, this team makes no sense, but also it kind of does because the one thing Kevin Feige said during this portion of the presentation, the Avengers are no longer a thing, right? They're not around. They're quote unquote disassembled, not to, you know, invoke the name of the comic. Right, right, right. I got you. But just in terms of like, they're not around anymore. Like if, if the, you know, the Celestials show up or whatever, the Avengers ain't coming calling because they're not around anymore. Mm-hmm. So what I think is going to happen is this is a stepping stone to get the Avengers back. Because we know in the timeline of movies, Thunderbolts happens. It's going to be the end of phase five. Phase six, the, we get the first Avengers movie back in two phases. Mm-hmm. I think this is going to be a stepping stone for the Avengers coming back because you th- you think about it and, and we ran through the lists some of the lists already and their comparisons to the Avengers. You know, it's like if you like Coke or Pepsi and you ask your mom or dad or your significant other to go to the store while they're at the grocery store. Oh, hey, can you pick me up a bottle of Coke? Can you pick me up a bottle of Pepsi? But they get you the real shitty like third brand, the, mm. like the store brand that like tastes absolutely nothing like Coke or Pepsi. Sure. But they brought it home for you like oh, this. No, that like it, it, it is and it isn't the same thing. What I think is going to happen is we've seen Julia Louis Dreyfus's character getting these people together, and we thought for the longest time they were Dark Avengers, which could still end up being a thing. That's, oh, sure, that still could end up being the end game, just not with Bucky there. I can't imagine Bucky turning on the Avengers, but you know what I think is going to end up happening is she's got this team already together or on the precipice of getting ready to get to get to get uh, to get together. Lord, I think there's going to be an Avengers level threat that shows up for this movie. But then, obviously, the Avengers aren't a thing. She, you know, you've got the U.S. government or whatever, you know, the World Council, whatever or group uh, organization they decide to bring in for this movie. Go, holy shit, you know, we need help from this. But, you know, the Avengers aren't coming around anytime soon. You know, oh, Thor's off doing whatever Thor does. Doctor, we can't find Doctor Strange. You know, all the Avengers that they knew, you know, Hulk's off-world. Doctor Strange is off in another dimension. Thor's off-world. Like, they can't get a hold of anybody. Captain Marvel's off-world. Like, whatever else. They go, oh, you know, what do we do? In comes Julia Louis-Dreyfus' character. Oh, looks like you guys need a little bit of help. Lucky for you, I got a team ready-made. They just need a leader. That's when you bring Bucky in. That's when they go to this. And they save the world, but by the skin of their fucking teeth. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not a close win. A couple of them get their asses handed to them. And at the end, somebody comes in for the save, one of the other Avengers. And that's what brings the Avengers back together, where they go, hey, listen, I know we're all really broken up about Captain America being old and possibly dead. And I know we're real broken up about Tony being dead. But for their but for their memory and the sake of the world, we have to get back together and save the world. And that's what brings them back together. I mean, it could be that's that's a very plausible theory. So I'm not going to rule that out. I guess I'm just coming from it being the old school comic fan. Sure. And obviously, if you read that or, uh, initial run, they can't duplicate it. Right. Because this is when the team was gone in the pocket universe. Right. And I'm using quotations because right. that's when Rob Liefeld and Jim Lee were doing the Heroes Reborn. Sure. So this was taking place in the regular MCU when it was not uh, sure. No Avengers, No Fantastic Four. Sure. So if you try doing that and you try flipping and like take elements from that, sure, you can. But like I say, I'm just looking at it going – you need to either add some more members or you really got to do something really creative with the story. Cause like I say, I'll still go see it. Oh yeah. But I'm, I'm not super amped up right now because sure. for me, I would just call the black widow too. Like this, I don't really, when I look at this team, I just, I don't go thunderbolts. Sure. Well, that's why I say, I think, I think it's going to be a two part, stepping off stone it's going to bring back the avengers but i also think it's going to set up dark avengers because i can imagine with this movie bucky being on the good side now and being reformed quote unquote 
you know, that some of the stuff along this way, he's not exactly on board with. Mm-hmm. The, some of the, especially you got U.S. agent who murdered a person on live television that was broadcast around the world in Falcon Winter Soldier. Sure. You've got Ghost who was a loose cannon at best. You know, and, and some other unsavory folks on that team that like, listen, Bucky's all about saving the world and doing things on the up and up, you know, as, as much as he can. But it, you can't say that about everyone else on that team. So I can imagine that once this happens, you know, something comes along down the road in the movie that like, you know, oh, hey, shit's hitting the fan. He doesn't agree with it. He need, he knows they need help. Puts in a call. Oh, who comes in to say, help save the day? Falcon, you know, or something else. And that's when they realize, hey. We got to get shit back together. So it, it brings back the Avengers, but then also for the future because they get pissed off. Oh, we could have done this. Why did you do this? Blah, blah, blah. Dark Avengers. I hope so. Because honestly, I'm looking at this lineup. I'm just going, okay, I really need to get wowed to really be excited about this because right now I'm just going, eh. I would have casted some new faces in the MCU. Mm-hmm. Like you could even use Ares. I mean, obviously he's just reappeared in the Punisher comic they're doing currently, but you could have tried doing the Dark Avengers like somebody to, on the Thor level. To balance out yeah, there, yeah. or even Hercules, who they just introduced in Thor: Love and Thunder, like that would have been a better segue. And I'm even curious, where is Daniel Bruhl in all this, aka Baron Zemo? Yeah, because if you know Thunderbolts, he is synonymous with Thunderbolts. There and with great reason. He so, might be in the movie, just not a part of the team yet. Yeah, I mean that could be the case. Like I hope he does get added to it, and because I just think. Right now, with how this is reading, I don't want to see the Marvel version of Suicide Squad. I really sure. don't. But all these are, are all anti-heroes. Like, that's what it comes out as. Like, everybody's I, I having see, a redeeming arc. I can see Zemo being in this movie because all this announcement really was was just, hey, we're they announced they're doing the Thunderbolts movie. Yeah. And then they just specifically said, hey, here's who's in the Thunderbolts. They didn't go any further, like, past, you know, because they didn't even bring up some of the other characters you would expect to be in this tied in with the Thunderbolts, you know. So I, I just imagine this just be, hey, this is just the cast of Thunderbolts. Z, I imagine Zemo will be in it, though. How hilarious would it be if they decided to go Deadpool 2 and, like, this is supposed to be X-Force? Oh, no. And they all get killed, like, in the first five minutes? Only if I get a Brad Pitt uh, cameo. Oh, if he comes back as Vanisher? I need a Brad Pitt cameo. That would be absolutely epic. So yes. if, if that happens, I will change my grade right now. But I just thought it was kind of lackluster, to be honest with you. Like, for what I'm expecting for Thunderbolts, and maybe that's my fault just being a fan of the original comic. Like, I know that there's been different incarnations lately. Yeah. And oh, yeah. obviously, they, they plug and play with a lot of that original lineup with other anti-heroes and really try making redeeming stuff. So yeah. maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised. Maybe Pat will be right about this. And I, I know, Pat, I legit hope you are. Like, I want to like this movie. I'm not going in to completely rip I, on I it. can't imagine they're, them doing, like, a Suicide Squad ripoff. I just, I, I just, the way Marvel works and how one step leads to the next, even if you don't see it. I imagine this is going to be a stepping stone to future stuff. I just hope so. Like, that's that's my only fear with this, because otherwise I'm going, like, why are we even going back to this? Like, we already had this movie. Marvel could do so much better, especially if they went to the comic source material for this. That's just my take with it. But I digress. Uh, that was it for the Marvel films. Uh, switching over to the Lucasfilm uh, side of things and movies. Uh, there was no Star Wars movies unveiled, uh, shockingly. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, really. Uh, however, we did get some uh, news for Indiana Jones 5. They did show a trailer for the crowd uh, for the fifth installment of the franchise. Uh, Harrison Ford did come out and address the room, and he did confirm that this is going to be his last time playing the archaeologist, saying, quote, I'm done. I will not fall down for you again. A little disappointed we didn't get the trailer, but hey, I understand. They've just barely started filming this damn thing. Uh, And if you haven't seen it, there was an awesome photo backstage of 
uh, Harrison Ford reuniting with the actor who played Short Round mm. in, in Temple of Doom. Oh my God, that was the most genuine look of joy I've ever seen on Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford's face. Yeah, I saw that picture. It looked Loved awesome. Loved it. Uh, so that was for Indiana Jones Five, and they also gave a new trailer for Willow, which uh, of course is from the uh, 1988 classic. Uh, we also got a reveal of a new cast member, that being Christian Slater. Uh, he's joining the ensemble cast that includes Warwick Davis, uh, Joanne Wally, Ruby Cruz, Aaron Kellyman, Ellie Bamber, Dempsey Burke, uh, Amar Chad, Chada Patel, and Tony uh, Revolori. But holy shit, Christian Slater. Yeah, that's big move. Yeah. Real big flex right there. Uh, so that was it for Lucasfilm on the 20th century side of things. Well, they only showed one movie, and hey... We called it. Uh, that was for Avatar: The Way of Water. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got a load of. They got shown a bunch of footage, and I know from somebody on our podcast group. I forget who it was, and I apologize for forgetting who you were. So, somebody we know was there, and they actually got to see the footage in 3D, which sounded awesome. Uh, you know, and then he did say that uh, James, he being James Cameron, uh, did say that there is going to be like an up, upgraded, you know, to 4K, whatever, because 4K didn't exist when the first movie came out. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be like a 4K re-release of the first Avatar film, which is why it got pulled from Disney Plus, I believe. Mm-hmm. It's not on Disney Plus anymore because they're going to put out a 4K version. Uh, but there's going to be a theatrical re-release of the first one, the second one. The second one's going to come out in theaters uh, at the end of this year. And then also, I want to say he can James Cameron confirmed that he's already started work on like three and four. Jesus Christ! Which hey, kudos to you. You're not waiting ten years for the next one. Yeah, yeah. I wish I could get excited about it. I really do, but I'm yeah. Like, uh, switching over to the Disney live action side of things, uh, there was a title announcement for the prequel to the Lion King live action film. Uh, it's titled Mufasa: The Lion King. Uh, there was a, pre- a sneak peek shown in the room. It will be released in 2024. Not sure how I feel about this. I mean, you don't really get much from the animated movies. There never really was much of a prequel. A prequel. There was sequels. Mm-hmm. There's, there's the writers of the animated movie did come up with a prequel, quote unquote, in that they explained how Scar got his scar, yeah, and gave his name. But past that, there was never much. So, eh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I saw the live action Lion King movie. It was the movie. It's just I couldn't get past the dead stares of the animals, which was creepy as all fuck. Yeah, that was... Like, the songs were good, you know, and the singing was amazing. But then the dead stares of the animals is like Zazu's... You know, John Oliver is Zazu flying at me, you know... To sing about quite you know king with quite so little hair and he's just deadpan staring at me was off-putting yeah it's it's yeah yeah reasons i got i got nothing on that one yeah uh we did get a new teaser trailer with uh for the uh live action little mermaid movie coming out with uh hallie bailey and holy shit she got a, she got a set of pipes on her yeah she was definitely Ooh, singing crushed it it is uh well the trailer did include a clip of the part of your world scene which Probably one of the more famous songs from the Disney Renaissance, I guess you could say. I'd say so. I was a fan of the trailer. I, I knew they were doing it. I wasn't quite sure what to expect just because, listen, Jody Benson is one of the better singers Disney has had in, in their employ. She still voices the character and still sings the songs to this day. It's been however many years. Mm-hmm. But hey, to Halle Bailey, kudos to you. You did a good job. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then on the Disney Plus side of things, uh, we got a new trailer for Hocus Pocus 2, uh, the sequel that is going to premiere exclusively on Disney Plus on September 30th. Gotta say, I'm a fan of Hocus Pocus 1. This one looks good. God, I was nervous. It's been rumored for... You'd always see the posters, quote-unquote, pop up on social media around this time of year for years. And you always have to pop somebody's bubble. Oh, hey, sorry, it's not true. Not true. Well, hey, this time, it's real. And it looks good. I'm not a super big fan of this franchise, but 
it looked okay for what it was. Yeah. Like, I can understand if you're a fan of this, you really got a lot to look forward to. So I'm not hating on it at all. Just not my cup yeah. of job. Uh, then we got a first look trailer for the sequel uh, to Enchanted titled Disenchanted uh, that is going to premiere exclusively on Disney Plus beginning November 24th uh, of this year. Can't really say much on it. I didn't see the first one. I know people are fans of it, and I know some people who saw the first one saw the trailer and said they're excited for it. So, hey, cool. Uh, and then lastly, the Peter Pan and Wendy, which I believe is going to be a live action version of Peter Pan. I'll be honest. I forgot this was coming. Uh, is going to be released on Disney Plus in 2023. Uh, on terms of the animated side of things, won't go through everything. Uh, they did announce a sequel to Inside Out, uh, that with this film starring Amy Poehler. Got to admit, did not see this coming. Uh, they announced that is going to be uh, coming in summer 2024, so a lot of people excited for that. Uh, and then on the other side of uh, the animated side of things, they announced a film called Wish. Uh, and the article on Deadline says, quote, Walt Disney Animation Studios' next original feature film is revealed as it is... as." as it is its fall 2023 release. Directors Chris Buck and Fom, uh, Lord of Mercy, uh, V-E-E-R-A-S-U-N-T-H-O-R-N, uh, outlined the story, which is set in Erosis, the kingdom of wishes, where wishes can literally come true. It centers on 17-year-old Asia, uh, who makes an impassioned plea to the stars, which is answered by a cosmic force, a little ball of boundless energy called Star. Together, they face the most formidable of foes to save her community and prove that when the will of one courageous human connects with the magic of the stars, wondrous things can happen. Alan Tudyk will voice a goat named Valentino. Awesome. Julia Michaels is writing all of the songs. The film is uh, written by Jennifer Lee. Peter Dalveco produces and Juan Pablo Reyes co-produces. I got to say, I saw this and like as soon as they said Alan Tudyk, I'm like, all right, I might be in for this. Yeah, Tudyk, I, I'm definitely going to check it out. Yeah. Like, I don't need much, but Alan Tudyk, he's awesome, so I'm sold. Uh, and then switching over to the television side of things, uh, Marvel uh, first up, uh, we did get some news about Ironheart, uh, and that is Shakira Barea is joining the cast of the Disney Plus series, starring uh, Dominique Thorne as Riri Williams. Uh, the premiere date on this is yet to be announced. Uh, we also got some other news, Ken, about this uh, show, though. Yes, Anthony Ramos has been confirmed to be playing Parker Robbins, a.k.a. The Hood. Which sounds like something out of the Batman Rogue Gallery, I'm not going to lie. No, but he's a fantastic villain. Uh, really interesting how he's been written uh, because he's basically a low-level criminal okay. who comes along with a comes across a magical hood mm. that gives him powers, and basically it's... Think Doctor Strange meets the Kingpin. Okay. And he's... When he's done well, I want to stress this, when he's done well... Fantastic character. There's been some times where it's like, meh, and I'm not going to hold back about that. But I do love this. I love this as the the main antagonist for Ironheart. Like, this is some really cool combination of how they're doing, like, much with uh, Captain America and the leader. Yeah. Like, I would not expect these two to be crossing paths, but I love the idea they're going with it. And like I say, if you, if you really read Marvel comics over the, you know, the 2000s and so forth, you know who the hood is, and this is a really interesting choice for a villain, but I'm all in for it. I'm all in. Oh, I am too. Love this. Uh, and then next up, we got our first look at the upcoming series, uh, Secret Invasion, which is coming to Disney+, Plus, uh, starring Samuel L. Jackson, reprising his role as Nick Fury, uh, and that is coming in 2023. So this trailer, to kind of summarize a lot, Samuel L. Jackson is back. Mm-hmm. 
Just what Nick Fury we're getting, we don't <laughs> know. This one trailer brings up more questions and answers almost none of them. Yeah, because we are seeing a Nick Fury without his eye patch. Yes. And he's emerging from a space uh, ship of some sort. He's getting beamed down. Yeah, and he's meeting up with Kobe Smothers, Maria Hill. Who's pissed. Yeah, because she's been trying to get a hold of him. He's not answering calls. So we're all just trying to put pieces together to where we saw with the end of Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. And obviously he was in space last time we saw him yep. allegedly building sword. Yep. So to see him return now, and obviously he's going after the Skrulls, he's, and you see the Skrull invasion has been getting sleeper cells put in mm-hmm. different time periods. Yep. You're seeing in one case where uh, you're, uh, somebody's attacking and you see the security detail all shifts into the same person. Yep. So they are showing that the scrolls have been here a while. And that's one thing that we're going to have to really deep dive into with this series. Yeah. Because obviously it's based off the Marvel comics story. Right. Now, that being said, this is a very different interpretation from that story because in said story, a lot of Avengers were scrolls, or right. should I say B list Avengers, not really any of the heavy hitters. I thought that that was one of the major miscues of that storyline. Sure. Because for everybody that was supposed to have been scrolls this entire time, uh, you really didn't have any, any real heavy hitters. Like you had the B level ones, but you'd never had like a captain America. Right. So I think it loses its impact. The one takeaway I will say from this trailer is fury is a scroll one way or another. At least one of the incarnations we see in that trailer is a scroll. Yeah. I'm, I got that vibe too. Yeah. I just can't figure out which one. Is it the one without yeah, the eye patch yeah. or the one with the eye patch that we've known all yeah. this entire time? Yeah. Cause that was my first thought was, Oh, that's a, that's a misdirection. You know, they, they don't, they didn't realize that fury, uh, wears an eye patch. But then I think back to the end scene from captain Marvel, where the one that's impersonating him on earth is wearing an eye patch. Yeah. So, boy, the misdirection is multi-layered on this. And I forgot who I was talking to online about this, and I apologize. So definitely hit me up on Twitter, and I'll definitely give you credit for that. They were pointing this out, too, that, hey, he doesn't have the eye patch here. What's mm-hmm. going on here? And I figured he just be, got healed. Well, it could, And it could just be him being undercover. You know, that, like, could be. he's so synonymous and so well-known, you know, for that eye patch. That, like, hey, it's 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 the Clark Kent, uh, you know, syndrome. You know, they're like, oh, as soon as I put the glasses on, nobody re- recognizes me. Yeah, so it's going to be something definitely to keep an eye on for, no pun intended. I just hope Amelia, because Amelia Clark, uh, a.k.a. Daenerys, is in this show. I hope she's not evil. I want her to be like a recurring character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. See, I think that she might be the queen of Skrulls. <sighs> like, but it, but it depends. I mean, she's going to get killed off. It doesn't, well, yes and no. Like, this story could go a lot of different directions. I think the only thing that I will say for certain, like, if we're going to do locks and leaps. So, Locke is Fury as a Skrull. One incarnation of him right. is going to be a Skrull. yeah. The leap is this is what rolls into Armor Wars because we see Don Cheadle's roadie yep. in this. Yep. And he's questioned about security detail. So my guess is this will spin into Armor Wars and the scrolls will be stealing Tony Stark's armor. Mm-hmm. And then that's where it kind of rolls in from there, which makes perfect sense. Love it. Run with it. Yeah. Other than that, like you have a very cool espionage feel to the show. It's not giving away a lot. You're having a lot more questions than answers. It does have the Winter Soldier vibe to it, which I yeah, love. Yeah, oh, I do too. So you're going to have a lot of who is who and trying to figure out who's a scroll and who's not. I think the fans at home are going to definitely get into this. I think the pop culture audience might have a difficult time with this. Maybe. Depending on who the big reveal is going to be, because obviously Fury is one incarnation of Fury is. Like, let's get that away. Yeah. But are we going to see another hero in the MCU be a scroll too? Which I, that's I think a safe bet. I think they need to. That's a safe bet. I just don't know who though, because I, I you have to really make a big impact. 
And unfortunately, you're not going to get Chris Evans. You're not going to get Robert Downey Jr. No. You're not going to get a Tom Holland. You might, you're not going to get Chris Hemsworth. So you're going to have to get somebody on that level. Right. Would it be smart money to do a Jeremy Renner? Oh, absolutely. Oh, you, could, you, could, you could do Renner. You could do uh, Ruffalo. You could do Paul Rudd. Or you know what would be the safest bet, even though I know they would have a tough time explaining it? Scarlett Johansson. Oh, yeah. That's the easy way to bring her back. That's that's uh, that's too many hoops to jump through because like everyone um, you know that would be tied in with the show knows she was dead. Knows she's dead. Depending on when this comes out, just because it says premiere twenty twenty three, I would say maybe the safe bet is you know depending on when this comes out and then whatever movie is around it, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if if a hero from that movie ends up the the actor or actress ends up showing up in this show. And, you know, Fury or, or Colby Smothers or, or whoever else goes, hey, wait a minute, weren't you just in, you know, blah, blah, blah last week? And that's when the cover's blown. Yeah. Until that time, I'm just going to blame the Eternals for everything. Yeah. Because, you know, they are the, the true villains of the MCU. Hey, we've gotten, an, we've gotten an acknowledgement of that giant statue out poking out of the ocean. Yeah, exactly. Whose fault is that? Theirs. Yeah. But either way, though, I mean, this trailer, I think, looked good, and I'm definitely excited for it. Yeah. Uh, they did give us some news. Speaking of Armor Wars, uh, Don Cheadle is reprising his role as Colonel James Rhodes in a standalone series that will show the character in a whole new light with a premiere date to be announced. Yeah, so I think they're obviously going to tie it into it. And if you know the Armor Wars story from the comics, Tony Stark's technology was stolen from him. He had to go fight it back, and it's a very cool story. It's one of the better Iron Man stories of the early 80s, mm-hmm. so I will definitely give it its props for that. Yeah. Uh, and then also, uh, sticking with the television stuff, we got some news about Loki. Uh, Ki-Hu Kwan uh, joins the season two cast of Disney Plus series starring Tom Hiddleston, Owen Wilson, and Sofia Martino. Uh, production is underway, but we do not have a premiere date. Uh, and this is the reason, uh, so he played Short Round in Indiana Jones and the, the Temple of Doom. This is the reason he was backstage. Oh, cool. This okay. is the reason he's backstage. Uh, he's joining the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I am all for this. Uh, he's a great actor, and uh, all i got to say to this is hold on to your potatoes. Yeah, absolutely. So definitely have to wait to see what's going on, but Loki 2 has definitely got the buzz around it. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody knows what to expect, and that's one thing I love about it. Yeah. Uh, and then we got some uh, info about the upcoming Echo series. Uh, article on Deadline.com says, quote, cast members uh, Alakwa Cox, Vincent D'Onofrio, Devery Jacobs, uh, Graham Green." Uh, Cody Lightning and uh, Chasky Spencer hosted a special look at the upcoming series that also stars Tantu Cardinal and Zahn uh, McLaren. A premiere date is to be announced. Also out there, Charlie Cox. Yeah, this one obviously is going to be the gateway from the Netflix characters to come over. So we do know D'Onofrio is back, so he was not killed off at the end of Hawkeye. Yeah. And I, I hear he's going to be wearing an eye patch. I don't exactly know what I feel about that, but yeah. I don't care. It's D'Onofrio, so... Let him just be Wilson Fisk, and I'm good with this. So I'm excited to see what they're going to else bring in for this. I mean, obviously, rumors of Jessica Jones and Luke Cage are swirling around this show as well. Mm-hmm. So definitely have to wait and see, dot, dot, dot. Uh, and then speaking of Daredevil, we got uh, some info about Daredevil Born Again. Uh, the article on I, or Deadline.com says, quote, Kevin Feige and co-star Vincent D'Onofrio discussed the upcoming series. Uh, we're eager to chat about the new Disney Plus series starring Charlie Cox. Production will begin in 2023. Uh, and we did get a little bit of a quote from Charlie Cox uh, via the folks over at IGN uh, where Charlie Cox told them, quote, we made the Netflix show. It ended years past and we're making another show. Calling it another show suggests that it's a, uh, not a direct continuation of the original series, uh, though that according to IGN.com. Well, not to be 
fully surprised with, I guess. No. I mean, they're going to do a reboot in the sense of Marvel. I don't think we're going to have a full origin story in, no. in that. But I think they're just going to just say, listen, it's an open playbook. We're just going to go right in. Everything that you knew over there is not happening here. Yeah, I think the main thing Charlie Cox wanted to cross it, like, and even said, quote, this is season one. It's not season four. Yeah, so I think that's a good thing to do. So obviously, when they get really deep, deep diving into this, you're going to see more of the traditional comic mm-hmm. Daredevil. Like I say, more of the Mark Wade uh, written yeah. Daredevil, which is fine. Because, yeah. I mean, that's more or less his origins before the 80s and Frank Miller. So yeah. I'm okay with, like, I'd be perfectly fine with this. I'm just happy Daredevil's back. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then lastly for Marvel, we did get a look at the unannounced, totally by surprise, unless you were paying attention to our social medias, uh, Werewolf by Night. Uh, and this is, quote, the Halloween-themed program starring Gail Garcia Bernal and Laura Donnelly. Uh, Marvel Studios' first TV special was revealed along with a trailer and an October 7th premiere date on Disney+. Plus. This looked amazing. Okay, first and foremost, everybody out here, give Pat his flowers. Pat is the one who broke this on social media. I got a tip off. He got a tip off, but still, he is the plug as we all know him behind the scenes here. He's got the hot info, so when he posts it on his Twitter, you know something big was going down, and he was right about this one, so your source was correct. We thank you for your service, my friend. Oh, thank you. So this did look phenomenal. Uh like a 30s-style horror movie. Yeah, which I'm perfectly fine with. Yeah. Time perfect, timed amazingly for Halloween. We saw Man-Thing. Yeah, we did. Like, things I was not expecting to ever see in the MCU, but here we are. I'm okay with this. I'm intrigued. Mm-hmm. I'm not holding my breath for a lot. Yeah. I wouldn't doubt we see a Blade or Moon Knight cameo in this in some mm-hmm. stage. But... Give me something different, and this definitely has a different vibe to it, so yeah. I'm cool with this. Uh, and then on the Lucasfilm side of things, we did get another trailer for Andor, which is, of course, dropping the first three episodes on September 21st. Nothing really new with the uh, footage. It was a lot of the stuff we've already seen. Uh, but it's all Obviously, we're very excited for this. I was going to say, one week away, Pad. I know. Early preview. What are you, what are you feeling? I have no idea what I'm going to... Listen, because we know this... We've already know this is getting a second season, so there's going to be a hell of a cliffhanger with this first season. Uh, I'm expecting a lot of intriguing stuff just to get from, you know, where you things were with, you know, Revenge of the Sith into where we see them with with Rogue One. It's going to be interesting to see because it's a it's by and large an unexplored portion of the Star Wars history. Yeah. So we're definitely going to be deep diving into this when the show premieres. So mm-hmm. stay tuned for that take when it's coming. But it's really came out of nowhere. Yeah. It did. Think about it. So, yeah. Uh, we got a trailer for the upcoming third season of The Mandalorian, which is coming yes. at some point in 2023. Looks really good. Uh, we got a little bit of an inkling of what's happening as a result of the events that have happened as we saw them. Uh, in that, because uh, The Mandalorian rescued Grogu, they're a clan of two. They're on their own. And, quote, you are a Mandalorian. No more. Yeah, not sure what to think here. But listen, the show is not missed thus far. So mm-hmm. no, give it, so give it to me. Like I, I can't wait to see it when it comes out. Probably around Christmas time. Like let's face it, that's when they like to do it. It's perfect timing. Yeah, everybody's home for the holidays. No better way to do this. And I will say, if you have seen the Clone Wars, there is a shot in this trailer. If you pay attention, that uh, you will see what the remnants or what happened to one of the locations from Clone Wars in this show, uh, and uh, one of the end results of one of the most iconic shots in Clone Wars. Uh, if you've seen Clone Wars, and it's specifically, let me give you a hint, it's on Mandalore. You know what I'm talking about, because I saw that when I watched the trailer, and I'm like, oh, shit, I know where we're going. Yeah. Uh, sw- uh, switching over to some of the Star Wars animated stuff, we finally, finally 
got a release date for the Bad Batch Season 2. Uh, that is going to be coming out uh, on January 4th. Uh, it was supposed to come out September 28th, uh, but super excited for this. It's been, God, too long since we've seen Season 1, and I cannot wait for Season 2. Yeah, definitely excited about this. Uh, and then lastly, and certainly not leastly, for the Star Wars side of things, we got a first-look trailer at the upcoming series of shorts, six episodes, uh, titled Tales of the Jedi. And it looks like, from what I've heard, uh, with these six episodes, three of them are going to be about Dooku, uh, and three of them are going to be about Ahsoka. And based off of the trailer, it looks like the Dooku episodes are going to be from before he left the Jedi, uh, because, well, he's carrying a lightsaber that's not red, mm. and two, he's hanging out with his Padawan, Qui-Gon Jinn. Uh, and then also it looks like the Ahsoka episodes are going to be taking place. It looks like there's some of the stuff in the Clone Wars just because there are some scenes of it that if you if you've seen Clone Wars, it's her early season look, you know, before before she goes into the later seasons and she gets longer head tails to lightsabers. Uh, so it looks like, it, and, but then there are also scenes from uh, Padme's funeral. Because yeah, that, that was surprising. There's a shot of Padme's funeral, and then there's a later shot in the trailer of Ahsoka in the crowd at said funeral. So this looks like it's going to be filling in some of the gaps from the Clone Wars. This show looks awesome. I cannot wait uh, for October 26th. I was blown away by this. I actually thought this came off extremely well, and Pad was mentioned about all those Easter eggs. Yeah, It took me a double watch here as I'm sitting here with him going like, oh my God, you're right, you're right. They have really taken their time to really deep dive into the lore. Oh, yeah. Well, because so, you know who's who's behind it. Dave Filoni? Uh-huh. Well, of course. If Filoni is behind it, you know it's going to be money. So yes, it is. A lot of things to be excited about for that. So definitely yeah. something to keep an eye out for October 26th. Yeah. And then on the Disney Plus side of things, just a couple of things. Uh, one of which is The Muppets Mayhem. That is a comedy series from Disney-branded television and ABC Signature. Uh, is going to be hitting in 2023, starring The Muppets. Can't go wrong with that. No, you can't. Uh, they did release a trailer for the original series uh, from Disney TV for National Treasure Edge of History. So... I'm excited for it, you know, but the fact that it, 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 Jerry Bruckheimer still teasing National Treasure 3. Got to mm. find out what's on page 47. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. Uh, we did get a trailer, and I got to admit, I forgot this was coming until I saw the trailer. The Santa Clauses. Uh, this is the, it was a first look trailer. Uh, it is the original series starring Tim Allen, uh, reprising his role as Santa Claus from those movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the thing with the trailer, listen, I'm going to come out and say it. Santa's retiring. Yeah. And, and everyone goes into a downright panic. Uh, super, As they should. Super excited for this. Uh, so that should be awesome. Uh, and that was kind of the most of the most of the stuff. Uh, one of the last few ones, Disney Channel, they did give a trailer for Marvel's Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, uh, which it was revealed it added Allison Brie uh, to the guest voice cast. Uh, this debuts in fe- on February 10th and later on Disney+. Plus. Uh, and then for Disney Junior, for you kids, if you got kids at home, uh, Star Wars Young Jedi Adventures. Uh, Jamal Avery Jr. and Emma, Emma Berman uh, have joined the cast of the animated series from Lucasfilm that will premiere in 2023. So a lot of good stuff coming out. A lot of good stuff. I mean, I guess in closing with it, D23 delivered. I don't know if it delivered on the same level that people were expecting, but no. there's still a lot of news to digest yeah. from this. I mean, I think it's more Star Wars news than I'm used to. I'll I, say that much. I will say this. I think if we, how we usually do this, if you're new to the ODPH, is we rank about who won mm-hmm. events like this, and I think Star Wars won outright. I don't yeah. think it's even close. Yeah, I mean, just because Star Wars, it's you know feast or famine, and and a lot of times it's famine with in terms of like what they announce and everything. Where where Marvel, it's like San Diego. It's like oh, here's the nine thousand shows we're working on in the next twelve months. Yeah. In Star Wars, it's like San Diego Comic Con. Uh, yeah, here's the two TV shows we got going on, and we're not going to give you trailers for. So the fact that we got this. Much, including trailers 
that they put out to the public, mind you. You know, I, I would have put Marvel number one just because the movies and the television shows dwarf Star Wars, but they didn't really put anything out. They, it was kind of mostly the television stuff that they put stuff out for. You know, but in terms of like if I had to rank them, Star Wars won for me. You know what the Marvel stuff reminded me of, to be honest? Okay, you remember when DC Fandom did the two days? Yes. And the first day was like amazing and yeah. like everybody was ran and raving. Yeah. It was, you know, oh my God, the greatest thing ever. And then they, the second time was like, meh. Yeah. Well, it also reminded me of some of the dark days, I guess you could say, of San Diego Comic-Con. Because I remember the one year where it was Batman v Superman. The trailer came out at San Diego Comic-Con. They didn't put it out to the public for like three, four months, whatever mm-hmm. it was. And then they put out an Avengers movie. I can't remember if it was Age of Ultron or something else, but there was an Avengers movie or a big Marvel movie coming out that, again, they put out the trailer at San Diego Comic-Con and then they never put it out to the public. You know, it felt like the dark days of that again. It kind of did. And that's why I say, like, I think that with D23, they gave enough for the people in attendance. Yeah. And they really weren't going for the pop culture audience. And I think it's something that maybe Disney didn't read the room or they read it enough that they said, we know you're going to show up for mm-hmm. it anyway. Yeah. Like, we don't need to give you a lot. Yeah. And not saying that in a derogatory sense. Sure. But I think what they want to say is, okay, we want to say we have some things in the works. We're not ready to reveal them just yet, but we're just going to say, okay, they're coming. Mm-hmm. Because you take a look at, like, with Marvel, Werewolf by Night was something to be excited about. Oh, yeah. Thunderbolts is what it is. Yep. But everything else was more or less just... What stuff we already knew, just yeah. with some added seasonings, I guess you could say, to it. Yeah, just a little more sizzle to it, but not enough to make it a full five-course meal. Yeah, it, it was leftovers, but like you threw a couple added spices onto it. Yeah, exactly. So I wasn't blown away by that. I thought the Star Wars stuff was very, very good. Yeah. I thought that they really went out of their way to say, okay, this is going to be our show, and really take it over. And I mean, yeah. like, obviously, it's all under one house, so everybody wins. But I think Mar- Marvel took the back seat to this, and and there's no shame in it. They won San Diego Comic Con outright. Like, right, we all have said that. Oh yeah. So now it's time for Star Wars to shine and move forward. And I think there's a lot of great stuff coming out. I think the fan base is definitely more excited for Star Wars stuff. Obviously, with everything they announced, and overall, Disney had a big win with this day. I mean, it wasn't a huge one if you're an MCU fan. But not everything revolves around the MCU. I know it's a shocker to some. What exactly? But. It was a big win for Disney, and there's a lot of stuff to talk about. So that being said, hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. We gave you a lot to digest, so we want to know from you, the ODPH Society, what are you most excited about coming out of D23? What about the Marvel stuff? Let's talk about that. How about the Star Wars? How about the Muppets Project? I know Pat is super amped up to talk about that. love Muppets. So let's go have that conversation, shall we? Hit us up on the social media links. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Are you tired of watching the same old awesome movies? Are B-movies more your style? Then the folks over at They Call This A Movie have you covered. Join us every Thursday as we review the worst of the worst in sci-fi, action, comedy, and more. We are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Podbean at theycallthisamovie.podbean.com. They Call This A Movie, testing the strength of friendships, one terrible movie at a time. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and we have to break down a show that shook the internet. Yeah, Ted. The latest introduction into the mcu has rocked everybody Mm -hmm. and now we have a new character that possibly is joining the avengers maybe and we have to really digest what happened on the latest episode of she hulk attorney at law featured on disney plus the latest marvel studios hit with tatiana maslani playing the title role is definitely starting to hit its stride 
There is a lot going on with this episode entitled, Is This Not Real Magic? So if you're new to the show, we give a spoiler-free statement. Then after the countdown, we go deep diving. So if you haven't seen the episode for whatever reason, you can pause the podcast right there. Jump in after you're caught up because we don't want to ruin anything for you. You have been forewarned. That said, Pad, spoiler-free statement on this episode. Thought it was a fun episode, and God almighty, if I didn't need it already, give me a Wong show already, please. Even if it's just a set of shorts, I need something with him because, my God, his comedic timing is incredible. This was the most She-Hulk episode ever, and I mean that if you've ever read the comics, this is the definition you go by. Mm -hmm. Fantastic episode, lot to break down with it. Go watch it. That said, in three, two, one, Pad, talk to me. Thought it was a really fun episode. You know, it was it had its serious moments, but it was also lighthearted. You know, didn't get too crazy, but also the humor was on point. There wasn't any humor that for me fell flat. I was like, yeah, that's I'm not really finding that funny. It was all funny. It was all great. And like I said, give me a Wong show now, even if it's even if it's like the I am Groot thing, where it's like five two minute episodes or whatever the hell it is. Series of shorts, I anything. Please give me something with Wong. It'd be amazing. All I got to say is Madison, spelled with two N's and a, a y, y. But you, but not where you expect. Not where you expect. Holy crap. That character has set the internet on fire. Mm-hmm. And rightfully so. Yep. I could not stop laughing. And I'm just literally sitting there the entire time going like, this character should not work as well as it's doing. Well, I think the thing that it worked and it connected with so many people is that if you've ever been to a wedding, you know, whether it's a friend, a family member, or your own, you know someone who's been like that. And and that like you've you've had that experience and it's just that connection, like, oh yeah, I, I know where this is going with them. Yeah. Patty Guggenheim, who plays Madison, yep. absolutely stole this episode. Yeah, she did. She Needs to be featured more in the MCU. I The fans are demanding it. I think they're going to yeah. answer to it. Because where this episode kicks off, you're at a magic show mm-hmm. with a character known as Donnie Blaze. Not a, not a mispronunciation. It is Donnie. Exactly. And you're seeing he's not exactly a David Copperfield or... Uh, What's his name? Chris Angel. Chris Angel, yeah. So he's kind of a C-list magician at best. Yeah. But he is able to cast a little spell about doing some teleportation yep. that we've seen before. Uh-huh. Out of who, Pat? Uh, well, Benedict Wong, uh, you know, Wong, and then also uh, Doctor Strange. Yes. So we've kind of seen this spell used before. Yep. And as he calls somebody up on stage, the one and only Madison, who is uh, very much enjoying the beverages of the night, uh, he winds up sending her into another dimension. Yep. And this breaks all types of cardinal rules. Yep. Because when Madison reappears, she winds up going to Kamartaj, mm-hmm. the home of the Sorcerer Supreme at the moment. She ends up in, she ends up in his living room as he's sitting there watching The Sopranos. Yes, folks, The Sopranos is canon in the MCU. I love it. I I so love it. Oh, I, I marked out. Yeah, and then the back and forth between them, and she's ruining the episode for him. Wong realizes what happens. And Ruin the episode for me, too, you bastard. Yeah. <sighs> Which I, I know some people are sitting there saying, Pad, you've never seen The Sopranos? Listen, my parents didn't have HBO when The Sopranos was on. I'm working on it. I'm watching it. Sue me. Yeah, just... Season three is probably the only letdown for me. 
Okay. Yeah, so go like stay with it after season three. Uh, season five, greatest uh, season premiere of all time, goes downhill from there okay. towards the end. But everything else in between is fantastic. Or maybe season six. Whatever the last season is, Sopranos is absolutely trash. But I love the first two seasons. We'll recommend them highly to everybody. That's my little side note. But let's get back to the show because at this point, Wong decides to go pay a visit to everybody's favorite superhero lawyer <laughs> and says, okay, we need to go stop and use a cease and desist and gives the background that Donnie Blaze, well, is a cast off yep. from Camartage. Yep. And uh, Jennifer Walters goes, oh, well, this is easy. You know, did you have him sign this? No. Did you have him sign this form? No. Did you have him sign any form? No. Well, then there's nothing we can do. Yes. So they are trying their best to make something happen because he is saying with great power comes great responsibility. He has no responsibility and he has great power. Yep. This is just all types of disastrous Mm -hmm. happening. Yep. So they are now trying to take him to court. The court case does not go as well as planned, mm-hmm. to say the least. However, they do call Madison back to the stand. Yeah, they do. And she gives an epic performance, yeah. uh, yelling Wongers, as his <laughs> nickname is now. <laughs> I need that on a shirt, please. Oh, it, it's got it. I swear to God, it's got to be this, out there right now. This episode, I guarantee you, gave the marketing department like at least a half a dozen merchandise ideas. Yes. So they wind up losing the case for the moment. And Donnie Castle and company are allowed to still abuse the power that he cannot control. And Wong is in there just kind of freaking out at the whole time. At the same moment in the story, though, you see Jennifer Walters has now really embraced the role of She-Hulk. Yep. And she is also now going into the dating app world. Mm-hmm. And she's starting to meet some uh, possible suitors. Well, at first she tries it as her normal self because, oh, I don't want, you know, I don't want people to pick me just because I'm the, she- I'm the She-Hulk. I'm the superhero. And she goes and creates a profile on this Tinder-like, you know, uh, app. And she gets a couple of hits, but it's nothing special and it's not working. And that's when her, her co-worker says, hey, listen. Everyone loves the She-Hulk. Nobody really is knows who you are. You know, you're kind of just an average average Jane. You know, you should really make a profile as She-Hulk. And she's reluctant to it, but then she eventually comes around to it. And and she makes the profile and or recreates part whatever she does, you know, and posts the picture and, and activates it. And then her phone just starts going off incessantly and they show you a shot of the screen and just the number of matches are shooting through the roof. Mm-hmm. So obviously she starts going and making some dates in here and one Pot, one suitor, though, is a very familiar face yes, to us is. pro wrestling fans, and that is who, Pad? David Otunga. Yes, the legend himself. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, though, he's very short-lived on here. As, yeah. Uh, well, for reasons. Yeah. But it makes sense to the storyline. But she does wind up meeting somebody, taking them back to her place. A great guy. The first great guy she's met in however long. And then things go sideways. Yes, because Wong <laughs> is brought back into the world of Donnie Blaze because he is using his powers. And guess what? What what Wong predicted would happen happened in that he's like, listen, we got to take, you know, because as he said earlier in the episode, listen, we got to take care of this. He's a loose cannon. Something's going to go wrong. It's just a matter of time. Well, his time is up. His time is now, you know, to borrow John Cena. Yes. Uh, you know, and shit hits the fan. You know, he opens a portal. Things come through that he can't exactly control or he tries putting back and he tries putting it back in the portal, but then he doesn't bother closing the portal, you know, and they come back through all hell breaks loose. And then he opens the portal to Karamataj and goes, Wong, I need help. Yes. So now Wong has to go recruit She-Hulk from her date. 
to go and stop these demons that are terrorizing the magic group. Uh, it's a fun little segment. It kind of reminded me a little bit of Gremlins, yeah. to be honest with you. Yeah. But you're seeing just a lot of She-Hulk doing She-Hulk things, breaking the fourth wall, and it's just in there fighting these things. Uh, there was like a little homage to the Ang Lee Hulk uh, movie, though. Because okay. it reminded me when she was fighting those creatures there yeah. at one point, too. So there was some cool moments of here having action. And then once they finally deal with the magical creatures, they basically say, all right, Donnie Blaze, you're done. You're going to now comply because we had to bail you out. Mm-hmm. So the episode kind of wraps up there in that case. And then you see that Jennifer Walters goes back to her date, wakes up the next morning. She's back as Jennifer Walters. Mm-hmm. The date is not interested. Because he's interested in She-Hulk. He's not interested in Jennifer Walters. Yep. So he takes off. She's kind of having the recap of everything that's going on. Yep. And then when the doorbell rings, she goes, and she's hit with what pad? A cease and desist order from uh, Titiana, because Titiana beat She-Hulk to the punch and uh, trademarked the name She-Hulk. Yes. She's filing an injunction against her. Yes. So the first villain that She-Hulk ever had to face got out of her charges because of She-Hulk. Yeah. And now (laughs) decided to do the most social media thing ever mm-hmm. and goes start making copyright claims yep. and obviously try flipping it being the social media influencer that she is. Only thing messing with some frivolous DMCA claims. Yeah, so this played right into She-Hulk. Like, this yeah. is a perfect way. Like, this is like a comic come to life. And I can't stress that enough. If you've ever read Dan Sly, you've ever read the John Byrne runs, the Charles Soul. Like, this is where it comes into play. And, like, I, I think Dan Slott, in fact, tweeted out, like, to paraphrase, this is the most She-Hulk comic you'll ever see on live action. Mm-hmm. And it hit all the points, too, because it had the humor. It had the action. Yeah. It made sense to an overall thing. Yeah. But obviously, this is something that She-Hulk would be coming into. Mm-hmm. And it gave fans just a really fun episode. And that's one vibe that you get with this show completely. Albeit, though, the thunder was stolen by Madison. Yes. And, and listen, if she is not appearing at the Avengers campus by the end of the year, missed opportunity. Oh, my God. Well, you know what? They they kind of left the loophole open. And she doesn't even have to have the drink because the kids are around. Like, just have her going around being Madison. Yeah. But there's one loophole that they can bring back because yeah. obviously now she is hanging out with Wong. Yeah. They never explained the deal she made with the demon to get out of the original dimension Donnie sent her to. Yeah, that's true. So we don't know. Like, this could be something for a future reference for could a be. show. Could be. They could do a one-off, like, do a what-if if they want to. Like, there's there's possibilities here because their chemistry together and comedic timing was so on point that even though the scenes were brief, they won. And that is just a true testament to the writing of the show and the acting. Because Benedict Wong and Patty absolutely just tore those scenes apart. Their back and forth just absolutely is fantastic. And that is what you take with this show. There is so much win about this that, yeah, we don't have a traditional supervillain, so to speak. We didn't get a lot of follow-up about whoever was trying to steal She-Hulk's blood. Yeah. But there was enough that you legit went, okay, I get it. It makes sense. And that's something that is a true win for everybody because we're we're all screaming, we want to see something different with the MCU. Here we go. And that's something that I tell you what, I was sold on pad. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is something that fans are really starting to get the vibe of this show and really starting to go forward with it. Yeah. And I think that this is something that they can definitely build off moving. Like, I can't stress enough. 
this is going to be that benchmark episode. Like we talk about with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season one. And yeah. you get the Captain America Winter Soldier episode and then the show really kicks in. I feel that's here. Mm-hmm. I really do. And I think that there's so much to go with it that we have now hit that stride with only oh, absolutely with only what five more episodes left oh let me look this was episode four so you've got five six seven eight and nine so yeah five more yeah they finally hit that stride and where we're going to go from here legitimately is anybody's guess well i'm willing to bet this is i'm not going to say this is a hard lock this is like a soft lock uh i'm willing to bet next week since we got the injunction and the pending court case at the end of this episode wouldn't be surprised if the next episode we get a certain blind lawyer from New York in the next episode. I think so, too. I was going to say that's my prediction for next week. That's my guess. Just the only question now, though, because I know the speculation with a couple of our friends. I know Ron from 3FN was saying the leader was the one trying to steal the blood from She-Hulk. That would have been a great twist. Could be. I don't think they're going to do that if he's going to be a part of Wrong, Captain yeah. America New World Order. Yeah. It could still happen. So, I mean, Ron might be right about this. But then the question now becomes who's the one trying to steal the blood? I'm still going to say it's Justin Hammer because be. it's been a minute since we've seen him. Exactly. Like it's going to be somebody that's established. I don't think they would go completely. It, it, I, I could see it being Justin Hammer because it could be a moment where like one of the future episodes, it's a bonus scene with them like failing for like the umpteenth time to get the blood. And you and it's just them talking to like the back of a, a desk chair like you see in movies. And then the villain turns around and it turns around and it's Justin Hammer. And it's like, holy shit, you're still around. Yeah. Like, I will mark out if it's Dr. Doom. Like, could you imagine? Oh, that would be wild. You see the internet meltdown in a, the quickest hurry you've ever seen it. I saw fan casting for, and bear in mind, fan casting for Dr. Doom. I marked out like a madman for the fan casting I saw as Dr. Doom. Daniel Craig. Oh, my God. That would be epic. Oh, or, or no, no, that wasn't as Dr. Doom. Sorry, that was as Magneto. I'm still in. Daniel Craig is uh, Magneto. Fucking hell. Yes, please. Well, you know, those castings are starting to get more interesting as the shows are progressing forward. And with She-Hulk, that would be a perfect way to sneak it in because nobody's expecting it to come because She-Hulk's villains gallery is a true B, D, C list. Mm -hmm. I know I spelled that out of order. I don't care. You get my gist that they're not really household names for the most part. But this is a possible way to really sneak something in moving forward. Maybe you're going to see Julia Louis-Dreyfus's character go in here for something for Thunderbolts. I couldn't, I wouldn't doubt that happening. But overall, this episode really clicked on its points, and yeah. I think there's a lot of win to be had here. Pat, final thoughts on the episode? thought it was a really fun episode, like probably one of my favorite ones of the series thus far, just because it had action. It had you know stuff to keep you engaged. But at the same time, it also had stuff to kind of keep you like entertained and laughing, like not super serious the entire time. That said, I want more with Madison, goddammit. Give me a series of shorts with Wong and Madison. Um, oh, my God, please. Just stop spoiling Sopranos. Uh, but I enjoyed the episode. Excited to see where they go next week. I'm with you on that. I think we need more Madison and Wong. Uh, hashtag Wongers. <laughs> that is actually... I need a shirt. That's actually out there right now. If you type that in, you'll you'll get an emoji with it, too. Oh, let me test this out. Yeah, dead serious. That'll be on a tweet for tonight's uh, podcast episode as we release it. But this episode just really captured... Oh, my God, it does. Yeah, this this episode really captured the vibe of the comic. And that's one thing I really loved about this. And you don't take it too seriously. I mean, Donnie Blaze, I know people are thinking Ghost Rider. Just pump the brakes. I mean, I, I, if you're watching it at, like, 5 in the morning or something like that, or super early in the morning, I can understand it. Oh, yeah. Just because it's early, you know, your facilities aren't exactly as wide awake as they normally are. But yeah, no, that's why I usually turn on closed captions. Exactly. So that's why I just, I stress with caution, pump the brakes. I know we're all excited to hear about more castings, but let's just enjoy the shows that we have. And this was a truly enjoyable episode moving forward. So 
We'll have to definitely talk about it on social media now, so hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about Episode 4 of She-Hulk Attorney at Law on Disney Plus entitled Is This Not Real Magic? Let's discuss, shall we? Hit us up on the hashtag. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideroom Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one knows my name To the desert, the oceans, or the plains Cause I wanna... Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got? Got a couple things to talk about. Uh, the first of which is video game related uh, because there was an Ubisoft uh, live stream that took place last week. Uh, it had some gaming announcements. You know, the upcoming Mario Rabbids game was featured. Uh, but the main source that I was interested in was the Assassin's Creed portion of it because there was a leak a couple weeks ago what the next upcoming game was going to be. It was officially confirmed and they talked about that plus the future of the series. Uh, so one of the things they talked about with the game is that the current game, the most recent game in the franchise, uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, is getting one last piece of DLC titled The Last Chapter. Uh, I forget when it's going to be coming out, but I know it is going to be free, uh, a free DLC uh, for everyone, so you won't need to pay for it. Uh, but it is going to be the last piece of story DLC they do for the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm super excited for that. I'm over 200 hours into the game, and I'm barely into the second. There's three DLCs out now. Uh, story DLCs out now. I finished one of the three. I'm in just started the second one and I'm over 200 hours into the damn thing. So the f- I'm going to probably push 300 by the time it's all said and done with the DLCs, which is insane to think about. Uh, but then they went on to talk about some other stuff. One of which is that they are partnering with uh, the folks at Ubisoft are partnering with Netflix uh, for a couple of mobile games and an upcoming series. Uh, so reading from an article on Variety.com, uh, the article reads, quote, Netflix and Ubisoft have partnered on a new Assassin's Creed mobile game and two other mobile titles that will be available exclusively on mobile to Netflix members globally with no ads or in-home, in-house purchases. So uh, no, like nothing in game like, oh, you got to buy. Uh, the other two titles are, uh, a new Valiant Hearts game, which is a sequel to Ubisoft's award-winning game, Valiant Hearts, The Great War, uh, directed by its core, original core team, but featuring a new story and a sequel to Ubisoft's The Mighty Quest for Epic Loot mobile game, which was shut down in 2016. All three mobile games will be available to Netflix members in 2023. Uh, quote, we're thrilled to work with Ubisoft, whose track record creating memorable worlds for fans is unmatched, said Mike uh, Verdu, Netflix VP of Games, in a, in a statement. This partnership will provide our members with exclusive access to some of the most exciting game franchises as we continue to build a catalog of great mobile games for our members around the world. Said Ubisoft's chief mobile officer, uh, Jean-Michel Detoc, uh, as we continue to create great experiences on all platforms, we are glad to be partnering with such an innovative and creative partner as Netflix. I believe that this partnership will be a great opportunity for Netflix members to further explore our worlds and universes on mobile, close quote. 
Uh, so they got that going on. And then they also, which I know they announced it a couple of years ago, but they further reaffirmed that, Hey, we're also working on a television series with the folks over at Netflix, which it's all good news. You know, I know Netflix has delved into the, you know, mobile games aspect of things. I've looked at them. I've never played any of them, but they're all kind of feel like ripoffs of popular stuff. I might give the Assassin's Creed one of a shot if it's anything decent, you know, I'm not, but we'll see when it comes out. Yeah. I mean, it definitely looks interesting. There's, you know, it, it definitely caught my attention. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I'm fully sold on it. Sure. But that, like I say, that's kind of me and most video game stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then they gave a bunch of updates on the upcoming games. I was wrong about the Assassin's Creed 1 remake. They did not announce that. Wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility, though. Hey, you never know. Exactly. Uh, but they did give a first look cinematic trailer uh, for the uh, next game in this franchise titled Assassin's Creed Mirage. Uh, this one is taking place uh, in the 9th century uh, CE in Baghdad. Uh, so the height of, you know, at its height, uh, you know, and it is starring the character Basim, who, if you've played Assassin's Creed Valhalla, you are very familiar because he was one of the, ma- he was one of the, he was one of the major ones, right? He was one of the major characters in, he was one of the major main assassins in that game. Uh, you didn't play him, but he was a character featured in that game. Uh, and in Valhalla, he was a master assassin. So he had reached the pinnacle of the order you know the highest rank and all this this game is going to be kind of his ascension to that point from a person who's not an assassin to becoming assassin i gotta say looks really good looks like it's kind of getting back to that old school assassin's creed uh feel to it with stealth and, and combat and not so much an rpg we're gonna make you a literal god that can kill anything in one shot uh which i'm all for no, it definitely looked dope. Like, I, I'm not the biggest Assassin's Creed person. Sure. I mean, especially these days, because it just kind of feels like they're just rehashing. Yeah. But trailer looked dope. Yeah, it looked, I mean, it looked really real, good. really liked it. Yeah. Uh, so they announced that. And then they announced uh, three upcoming games with no future release date. Uh, the first of which is t- they titled Assassin's Creed uh, Project Red, uh, which is no release date for this, but they're finally doing it. Fans have been crying for it for years. Like, maybe a decade now at this point. But this game, whenever it comes out, is going to be set in feudal Japan. I'm sold. Oh, my God. This is going to be amazing. Looked fantastic, even though it was a short trailer. Short trailer, only 30 seconds. Uh, the other one they announced is titled, uh, or pro, kind of tentatively titled, Assassin's Creed Codename Hex. Again, not much to go on this. Don't even have a release date for it. But what the fan speculation kind of going off the trailer and the name Hex. Uh, current speculation is that it is going to take place in Massachusetts in the, I want to say it's the 1600s, uh, specifically the Salem Witch Trials. That's an interesting timeline if they want to do that. Which if I, if I get to go around, you know, colonial uh, New England, killing witches and killing various Templars dressed as whatever, I'm all for it. That'll be fucking awesome. I mean, that it's a very imaginative take. So listen, I'm, I'd be interested in that yeah. one. Uh, and then the last one they announced is titled Assassin's Creed Codename Jade. Uh, this one is taking place in uh, the early, like, I think it's like, 215 bc uh china uh this one is a mobile game coming at a future date it's an open world game not much is you know known about it they just kind of give a cinematic trailer telling you hey it's going to be in china uh so that'll definitely be something interesting and the last one they kind of mentioned on was uh, assassin's creed infinity Mm. which the speculation was it was going to be like a open service game you know one of those ongoing constantly updating things it doesn't sound like it's going to be that. Like, they talked okay. about it, but they didn't give full details. They basically, the way they talked about it in the live stream was that it's kind of going to be the hub going forward for all future Assassin's Creed games. That, like, it's it's where you can go to it, you know, because if uh, I know on the PlayStation Plus, um, 
uh, Game Pass, their version of Game Pass, you can play pretty much all except for the first one on that service. They're all like from Assassin's Creed 2 all the way up through Valhalla. They're available on that service. So it sounds like this Assassin's Creed Infinity is going to be a hub where like you can go in there and if you want to go play Assassin's Creed 2, you can go into this and then jump into it through that platform. If you then want to go in and play Syndicate, you can jump in and go through that. The other thing I heard is that it's going to be for the future of like the present day storyline that kind of interconnects because in the games you have the past storyline of what you're experiencing in the past, but interspliced with that is stuff taking place in the present time. It sounds like future present time storylines are going to be taking place in this venue, I guess you could say. So a little confusing, but I'm sure we'll get more information as time goes on. Yeah. It's an interesting concept that they want to try doing it. Like a hub probably wouldn't be the worst, right? But I don't know unless you're going to do like some multiplayer action and really kind of deep dive into that angle. There is talk of them bringing back multiplayer because for some, I want to say it was a two Assassin's Creed two brotherhood and then revelations. I want to say also for Assassin's Creed three, I don't think they had, I think by Assassin's Creed four, they took out, there was multiplayer. Okay. And it was, and it was in the way you would think it's stealthy. You know, you've got a target that you've got to pick out from, but it's a whole bunch of people walking around and there's more than one person that looks like your target. And, you know, you got to figure out which one is your target. It, they are exploring options of bringing back multiplayer in some capacity. I, mean, I think it'd be smart at this stage. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got enough material you can work with really di- deep dive in. Like if you use like a subscription service for it, I think you could really make some noise with it. I, I truly do. But I don't know exactly if that's going to be the plan, but I think that's something they should really take a deep dive on. Yeah. Uh, and then switching over to the PlayStation side of things, PlayStation had a state of play live stream the other day. Really not much coming out of it other than a new gameplay trailer for the upcoming uh, God of War Ragnarok. Holy fuck, give this thing to me now. Yeah, that looked dope. This looked awesome, although God Almighty fighting two Valkyries at once is going to be a pain in the ass. Uh, if you played God of War, uh, the last one that came out on the PlayStation 4, uh, and you fought any of the Valkyries. If you were lucky enough to make it to the Valkyrie Queen, you're fucking better than I am because that is some of the hardest bosses I've ever fought in a video game. Uh, I've known people who broke controllers over them. Mm-hmm. Uh, fighting two of those at once is not going to be anything fun. Uh, but then the trailer, Christ, the one line, death can have me when it earns me. Yeah, that was... Line of the oh year. Oh, my God. That was probably the best video game line I've heard in many, many moons. Line of the year. Uh, looks awesome. Can't wait for that to come out. Uh, switching over to Netflix side of things, we did get a trailer for the upcoming Knives Out sequel titled Glass Onion. Uh, this, of course, uh, coming out on Netflix at the end of or towards the end of December. Going to be in select theaters for a limited run uh, also in December. So you'll have to check your local listings to see if it's playing in your area when it comes time. This looks awesome. It looks like everything from the first movie. It's not giving you away too much with the trailer. Just kind of telling you, hey, there, you know, there's a murder mystery going on, and we got to figure it out. And you're all, it's kind of, it's in the same vein as the first one. You're all a suspect. You know, Daniel Craig is back as Benoit Blanc. You know, it's also got Edward Norton, Janelle Monae, Catherine Hahn, Leslie Odom Jr., Jessica Henwick, Madeline Klein, Kate Hudson, and Dave Batista. So hell of a cast. I'm super excited for this loaded movie loaded yeah, like, it is. like saying loaded is just kind of like an understatement of this but mm-hmm. obviously when this came out you knew pat it was gonna be amped up about this and oh definitely, hell yeah you might have to do like a review of this when it finally yeah. debuts yeah uh and then last thing certainly not least we gotta talk a little lord of the rings rings of power because just when i think i got things figured they fucking throw a monkey wrench into it so we are going to go into spoiler talk, so yes. you have been forewarned. Yes. Uh, so the episode is titled Adar, uh, which came out uh, this past Friday. Uh, and in the episode, they really 
throw a monkey wrench into things because I thought I had things figured out, or at least a rough idea when things took place. But then they decided to introduce Elendil and Isildur, which if those names sound familiar, Isildur is the uh, ancestor, one of uh, Aragorn's ancestors, like direct, you know, father, son, father, son, father, son things. Uh, and Elendil was his father. Uh, if the names sound familiar, that's because you saw them. They were two of the characters uh, you saw at the beginning of Fellowship of the Ring in the big battle where Sauron gets his finger cut off and he has the ring destroy it, that whole thing. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Elendil is killed in that battle, and Isildur is the one who slices the ring off with, you know, and he was supposed to throw the ring in the fire, but then the ring tells him no, and, and he leaves. So the fact that we've thrown them into things really threw a monkey wrench into my whole timing of when things take place. But, I mean, it's possible. You know, the they're Numenorians, so they live a long-ass fucking time. Uh, Aragorn is also of a Numenorian. Uh, in case you didn't know, when Return of the, like, when Lord of the Rings takes place, he's like 180. You know, so interesting. He, so, and and they kind of hint to it. They they tell about it in the movie, in the books, but in the movies they don't really say it. They kind of hint at it uh, in the extended edition when in the second movie when Eowyn, the, the blonde from Rohan, is talking about, oh, you're you're a, 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 a ranger of the North, the Numenorians. You know, oh my my grandfather told me stories about them, and Aragorn goes, yeah, I know, I met him, and she just gives him this look of what, you know. So really throwing a monkey wrench into that whole thing, but I'm, I'm all for it. You know, it's keeping things unpredictable, unpredictable, you know, which I always like, you know, because as long and as storied as the Lord of the Rings franchise has been, you know, people have dissected every portion of the appendixes and all the books that have come out forward, backwards and sideways mm-hmm. that like, it'd be very easy and predictable to just go, all right, we're at a, we're going to, here comes B and then, you know, Here's the next C. episode C. They're throwing a monkey wrench into things, and, and I like that. It's, it's keeping me on my toes. So very good episode, though. Yeah, like I got to ch- check it out just right before we recorded. So I did like it, too. I mean, yeah. it definitely had its moments. Yeah. But like I say, and if you've been listening to the show a while, you know Pat is very much into the Lord of the Rings mythos more than I. So this one definitely had a lot going on with it, and it was a situation that still – I'm still trying to wrap my head around the, like the where everything is, but sure. they definitely are moving things in the right direction. It, it has not been as slow as I thought it was going to go, but still that action sequence in this episode. Though, yo, the yeah, they finally delivered on that. So there's a lot to take for a win yeah, for there that. Is. Yeah, there is. So that said, since obviously we ran a little heavy with the D23 commentary, we're going to kind of do our quick recap of. House of the Dragon, yeah. the Game of Thrones spinoff on HBO Max, which has been a lot of rave reviews. So let us go into spoiler talk for The King of the Narrow Sea. So, Pad, what did you think of this episode? thought it was a good episode. You know, I, I dug kind of the political backstabbing and the intrigue and all that. Got a little creeped out at certain points. Got a little confused at certain points because they, they started talking about some stuff. I'm like, wait, did that happen? Had to rewind a couple of times. But, no, I, I dug the episode. Yeah, this one... A lot of political backstabbing, which was okay. Uh, the heiress to the throne, Rhaenyra, going to the brothel with Damon. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Game of Thrones can't stay off that incest angle. No, they cannot. Seriously. like, And that got really freaking weird because her mm-hmm. whole story is she wants to find her own suitor. Yep. She's rejecting everybody. Yep. She sneaks away to go to King's Landing, meets up with Damon, which, mm-hmm. how are they related again? Uh, he is her uncle. Okay. So let's just establish this. Yep. And even though Matt Smith is the MVP, yes, Julio from the Contrarians podcast, he is the MVP. I will stand by it. But, man, this episode was really too fucking creepy for me. Yeah. Because they go to the brothel. 
after they've been drinking. Well, Damon goes to the brothel. She gets dragged along. Yeah, she goes, but she's like following with though. And yeah. then, then he is trying to hook up with her. Almost happens, but he bails out. Mm-hmm. Then she winds up going and hooking up with uh, the knight that's been protecting her, Sir Kristen. So while this is going on, the hand of the king at the time has been informed of this. He tells the queen, aka her best friend, things are getting really messy at this situation. Yeah. And then, of course, she is like, well, I got to go tell the king. Yeah. And then she is investigating on her own. And she's like, no, I did not have sex with my uncle. Yeah. Things I did not think I would be saying on this podcast, but yeah. YPAD reasons. So at this stage, you see the king is now confronting Damon and like, yeah. okay, what is going on? Ready to slit his throat. Yeah, because obviously. You've ruined her. You know, she's not a virgin anymore. Nobody's going to want her anymore. Yeah, he's more so concerned he, about the throne than anything. Which yeah, is, so now and then Damon comes up with the brilliant idea. Oh, just let her, let her marry, marry her off to me. Yeah, because that just solves everything. Yeah. A minor faux pas in Damien's plan. I got to put it out there because this just goes absolutely off the rails because mm-hmm. the king responds and says, nope, she's going to marry somebody else. Yeah. Valerion. Mm-hmm. And thus, the king is just deciding to take the entire house down, fires his own hand. Yep. And now he's like, yep, you're against me. Damien's against me. Everybody's against me. Yeah. And then just decides to just completely try taking everybody out. Yeah. It's just a mess. It's a good episode, though. It's a good episode in, the, in that sense, but the creepiness creeps back in, pun intended. We thought we were done with this because, obviously, last episode, Matt Smith decided to say, F everybody, I'm going to kill off yeah. anybody that steps in my way, and then we're getting weird in a brothel. Yeah, I mean, it's it's creepy and it's awkward, but, I mean, comparatively to some of the stuff that's in the novels, Game, oh, yeah, Game I mean, of Thrones, it's, it's toned down. There's many questions I have about those novels. That's why I don't read them, because I'd be like, what the fuck am I reading? Uh, the Daenerys and Khal Drogo uh, wedding sequence in the novels. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, that was kind of where I tuned out of the books, and I'm just Google like, it at your own risk. Yeah. I'm not responsible for what you find. Exactly. We give you that fair warning, but the show is still watchable. Like I said, this yeah. kind of goes... When they get to the political stuff, it's very good. Oh, God, yeah. When they get to the weird, creepy sex shit, not my cup of java. Yeah. Just putting it out there. Uh, let's see. Also, this weekend, we have to give a nod, Pad. Yeah? There is a very big day that is going on. Oh? Do you know what September 17th is? Uh, no. What is it? Batman Day. Oh, hey. So there's a lot going on celebrating everything that is the Cape Crusader. And this is coming from a press release from DC Comics themselves. Hey. So definitely to quote... Uh, celebrate Batman Day around the world. There's a lot of stuff that is going on. Uh, DC and HBO Max announced new voice talent for the anticipated animated feature-length Batman and Azteca. Hmm. So, Choco de Empiracion. Okay. Uh, a new Batwheel special. Ooh. And Batman the Audio Adventures expands to new platforms. Ooh. Yes. Batman, so. If you haven't listened to Batman the Audio, Audio Adventures uh, out on HBO Max, he's one fucking phenomenal stuff you yeah. know it, it's it's a, it's a radio drama it's it's a you know audiobook you know they even animate the backgrounds of like where the scenes are taking place but then in the foreground is this like old 1930s style radio and it's playing like you're listening to a radio drama from the 30s it's amazing stuff oh absolutely so to quote the dc comics press release at participating comic shops fans can pick up free comic books on batman day september 17th with two special titles available batman hush number one Batman Day Special, 
with the seminal work of artist Jim Lee and writer Jeff Loeb. And for younger fans and the younger fans at heart, there's Batman's Mystery Casebook, hmm. Batman or Batman Day Special Edition. So a preview of the upcoming DC middle grade title by writer Shali Fish and Christopher Iminga. So apologies if I butchered anybody's name. Uh, so there's a lot going on for that. Like I said, HBO Max announced the new Batman Azteca project that's coming out. Yeah. Uh, in the English translation, Aztec Batman Clash of Empires. So that is something to definitely be keeping yeah. an eye out for when that comes out. That looks fantastic. And then the Audio Adventures Season 2 is coming to HBO Max. So this is something, uh, according to the press release, yeah. I'm showing Pad right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited for Batman Audio Adventures just because... It, it's something that, like, if, even if you're working on homework or you're working on, like, some, like, cleaning the house, you know, doing the dishes, you can throw it on your TV, listen to it, and you don't need to pay attention because it's literally an audio drama, you know, so there's nothing you really, you just need to listen. Yeah, so to read the press release uh, beginning of today's season one of Batman The Audio Adventures, HBO Max's first scripted original podcast will now be available on all podcast platforms. Ooh. Previously available only on HBO Max, Batman The Audio Adventures is written and directed by Emmy Award winner Dennis McNichols mm. and also features a star-studded cast of Jeffrey Wright, Seth Meyers, Chris Parnell, Rosario Dawson, Bobby Moynihan, amongst others, lending their voices to the thrilling, fantastical, and sometimes comical stories of Batman's Gotham City come to life. going to go ahead and add that one to my download list. Yes. Also, if you're playing multiverses, so this is the Batman or the Warner Brothers, yep. Super Smash Brothers yep. uh, mashup. Uh, the free-to-play platform fighter video game will celebrate Batman Day with an all-in-game event granting a Batman profile icon mm. to players who complete 20 matches Jeez. as the Cape Crusader from September 16th That's to the 19th. So definitely a lot of cool stuff there. Something going on with Injustice Mobile 2 as well. So if anybody's still playing that. And then you get to, if you are going to Cinemark. Now I'm showing Pad this. This looks mm. absolutely dope. So Batman Day in the U.S. and North America. So Saturday, September 17th. Cinemark exclusive event. So uh -huh. fans can celebrate Batman Day on the big screen only at Cinemark. The exhibitor will have exclusive showings of the following films at select locations okay. as part of the special day. Yeah. Batman Mask of the Phantasm I'm, at 2.15. Oh, fuck. I got to Google where the nearest Cinemark is. Batman 89, 430, and Batman Returns 30th Anniversary, 725. So for more information. Fucking hell, that's awesome. More information, Cinemark.com slash Batman Day or the Cinemark app. So there is so much going on with that as well. They just literally, if you are a Batman fan, you need to go check out the Batman hub at dc.com slash Batman day and follow at Batman on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram all week um, because they're going to be tipping off events all over the world. So if you're in South America, they have stuff going on there. If you're in Europe, they have stuff going on there, Asia, Australia. Wherever you are in this world, there is stuff going on for Batman Day, so you just need to go check that out. And so, Pat, like, let's just say this. What is your favorite Batman story? Oh, in terms of the comics, ooh, that's a that's a tough one. I, I liked what they did with the Joker War most recently. That probably most recently that's probably okay. been my favorite one. Um, in terms of the live-action films, I'm going to say... Dark Knight, just because that was a movie experience unlike anything I've ever seen before. You know, yes, Endgame and everything else is, you know, No Way Home is, but that was just a different animal, you know, in terms of just expectations and, and what can coming out of it. And then in terms of the animated stuff, I would say it's a, it's a tie because Mask of the Phantasm is, I will maintain, the best 
movie Batman story they've ever done, bar none. Um, I will say that one, but then also Batman slash Superman Public Enemies. Mm. That's that's also a good movie uh, if you haven't seen that one. You know, for me, it's tough. I I bear no shame in saying I still think Snyder and Capullo's Batman run is like my my personal favorite one. I love that. I love that entire run. Uh, Tom King's is very good too, uh, but he dives more into like the human aspect of mm-hmm. the bat, which does drag a little parts. Like I know nearing the end of his run before he went to Batman Catwoman, it kind of really went off the rails a little bit. I know with Alfred dying, I mean, I should say spoiler, but you know, let's face it, it's been a couple of years now. That was still a solid run for most of it. Like I said, War of Jokes and Riddles is always one that stands out to me. Contagion is one where Batman mm. has to fight a virus. Yep. And I always think that's such a creative like idea, too, because Batman's so used to using his mind as a detective. How do you fight something you can't fight back? So that was also a really cool one. Um, Long Halloween is arguably oh, my favorite of all time, too. Yeah. I love that original run. And like I say, Dark Victory was okay, but still Long Halloween is up there top shelf hush is fantastic just because jim lee's art and i'm a big jim lee fan so that one did a lot for me so i'll pose that question to the odph society this week obviously batman day is coming up september 17th as you're listening tell me your favorite batman moments it can be your comics it could be the movies it could be the tv shows i mean what is your favorite batman time like let's just say give it to us hit us up on the social media accounts and we'll definitely talk a little more about batman as well so that being said, at the comic shops, uh, I would say it's kind of a quieter week, so to speak. Only have one parlay point review, but definitely one to check out. Census number one. Now, this is on Comicsology Originals. You know how much I love that line. So this book is done by Mark Bernadin, Adam Freeman, and Sebastian Perez, uh, Bernardo Bryce, and Sarah Litt. So, Pad, the concept for this, I'm just going to show you the cover. Mm. Okay, so senses looks yeah. pretty sensible. Yeah, yeah. So here's your opening page right here. What the fuck? Yes. All right. So that got weird. It gets weird in a second, but this book has got a very cool vibe to it, and it goes in a different direction than you would expect because you literally go into the life of Liam Malone, and he takes a job where you always got to go investigate the census, you know, kind of like what yeah. happens normally. Yeah. And boy, what he finds is not what he signed up for because he is somebody that gets kind of roped into the supernatural side of things, to put it mildly. Mm -hmm. So this book, though, is a very fun read. Uh, Combines a lot of different elements, comedy, a little supernatural, a little horror elements, too, as well. And it just getting started, obviously, issue number one, I really think was very cool. So definitely go over to Comixology Originals. Go check the issue out. Definitely recommend it. It's a fun read. And then from Marvel, Savage Avengers number five. Oh, boy. Now, you know we are a very big David Pepos podcast here, along with Cheers to Comics. Shout out Brian Wayne. Pepos and David Magno, or Carlos Magno, I'm sorry, uh, are absolutely killing this thing. This is ha- might be Marvel's best book on the block. I, I bear no shame in saying this. I think what they're doing in this comic is some of the best stuff on the shelves. And that ending that happens... Mm-hmm is going to blow your mind. Like, if you're an old-school Marvel fan, mm. where they go is absolutely fantastic. And like I said, the artwork of Carlos Magno is absolutely on point. And David Pepos is taking this completely eclectic lineup and running some places with it, too. Love this issue. Love this series. Definitely doing a lot of cool things. And then, obviously, if we're talking Batman, well, we should probably recommend the Batman book. Wouldn't you say, Pat? Uh, yeah. 
So from Mark Wade and Mahmoud Asir is Batman versus Robin number one. Hmm. So according to the DC Comics press release, spinning out of the events of both Batman, Superman, World's Finest, which is amazing too, by the way, and Shadow War, Father and Son will do battle in the one single most earth-shattering and one of the most earth-shattering tales ever told. Listen, just creatively, you you got a sir and Wade on the book. Enough said. Enough said. So go check this out if you need a good Batman book to pick up this week. I definitely would recommend that because there is a lot of really cool stuff going on with that. And also, if you're looking for a, another Batman book to pick up, Batman One Bad Day, The Riddler. Our guy Sean over at the Caption Life Podcast did a review for it. Definitely is well worth picking up, so shout out to him. Go check that review out. Go check the book out. And there's so much cool stuff at the comic shop this week. So as we always say, go support your local comic shops wherever you are in the world and go support your favorite independent comic podcast because we're all putting in big work to tell you what to go pick up every new comic book day. Pad, that being said, the music you heard on this edition of the ODPH is that a shout at the robots. They're mm-hmm. fantastic people. They read comics. They're probably going to be celebrating Batman Day. If I want to find out about a shout, where do I go? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. You go over to the music section. You shout out everything going on with shout. Brian Wolf, Floodland, Second Suitor, Tom Jolu, Yard Party, all the amazing groups that give us their music each and every week to use on the podcast. We can't say thank you enough, and that's why we say go support the hell out of every one of them. Fantastic people, and we are still going to be interviewing Yard Party at some point. I promise you we will do that at some point. We've got to get the schedules all lined up. Everything is a little crazy right now, so we got a lot of stuff going on, but that interview will be happening sooner than later. Mark my words. Also, while you're at the website, you need to go check out the classified section, which has friends of the show, such as 3FN Podcasts and a lot of other cool people you need to go check out. Also, organizational links support Black Lives Matter, all the amazing pod groups we're in, voter registration links. Can't stress that enough. If you need to find out information, that's where you go. Definitely go check that link out. Also, Pad, we have a directory. Yes, we do. How many providers are we on? 914,000. Man, it grows every day. And you know what? I'm not doubting it because if we're not on your favorite podcast provider, I don't know how we're not, to be honest with you. But tell us. We'll try making that happen for you. If you can't find the ODPH, we provide links so you can follow, subscribe, drop a five-star review because it really does help the brand and definitely helps everybody to catch wind of what we're doing over here because that's what means the absolute world to us. But what also means the absolute world to us are patrons. So definitely shout out from Rich from 3FN, Stu from the SWO podcast, John from the Pint podcast, Joey from So Wizard, who you heard on the sports edition this week, absolutely tearing it up right now. Mike from the Multiverse of Badness, Tom Craven from Off the Cuff Games, who will be coming in sooner than later to talk a little Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And of course, Tyler Mack from the 30 and Nerdy podcast, all of them are fantastic. You definitely need to go check them out. They got great content as well. And you can find out what is going on with our Patreon. One tier, $2 and a lot of content on the way. Link is right on that front page along with the T public store. If it's anything and everything that is the ODPH, it can be found at odphpodcast.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the one only Pat and one J. Thank you. Thank you. I'm your host, Ken. M. celebrate Batman day and be amazing this week, folks. Thank you as always for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro parlay hour. We'll see you next time.